Welcome to the Let's Wrestle podcast with Dan and Nico. I am Nico, and this is Dan. Um, man, what a, what a fucking weekend, bro, right? A lot of fucking wrestling, dude, but um, honestly, a very memorable weekend, uh, and that's for both sides, AEW yeah. and WWE, so lots okay. to unpack. Oh, okay, let's, let's go ahead and go into the lighter stuff. Clash at the castle. Dan, go ahead and kick us off. Alrighty, so as Nico was saying, we'll get to the lighter side of the wrestling business this weekend just because um honestly like Clash of the Castle was just a great show. Ooh, there so really was absolutely the crowd. I think it was the crowd for me that just made it feel extra special. And you even mentioned it to me as mm-hmm. we were I think it was after you were like it kind of felt like a WrestleMania. Yeah. Um and it did, man. Honestly it did. And that's because I felt before that yeah, there was some interesting matchups on the show. I did I wasn't too intrigued into every single thing on the show. So um just the I fact feel, that it played out this way was great. Go ahead. I felt like people overperformed. Like uh expectations. Like it was it's, better yeah. than what it was expected. I have to agree, that's a good way to put it. And we'll get right into it, man. Um you either watched the show or you didn't, and that's not a bad thing. It's just like you either watched a great fucking show um, or you missed it. But there really wasn't too much aftermath uh, that happened after that, like the AEW side of this weekend, which we'll get to eventually. Um, that should be good. Um, but yeah, man, uh, they kicked it off with the six-man tag. Uh, they had Bailey and the crew, Dakota Kai, Eel Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going up against Alexa Bliss, Bianca Belair, and Asuka. Um, and honestly, I don't have much to say about this match. Just no. the fact that the crowd was loving Bailey and she was doing such a great job of like trying to tell him to shut up because uh, obviously she's the heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to get booed, but they were just loving Bailey. And how could you not? She's fucking great as a heel, uh, and she can be lovable as a babyface too. Um, but I don't have much to say about this, but. Bailey and the squad did end up getting the win. So some, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a comeback for them because they did lose the tag title match on Raw. Um, what did you think of this match? And uh, just of, uh, why don't you comment also on the tag title match on Raw? Alrighty. And, um, well, first of all, I know a lot of people are upset with how the tag titles were won because... The fact that um, Dakota Kai wasn't the legal person in, it was EO and they pinned her. And I mean, like, yo, that's just more storyline to be told in the future. And I'm sorry, but if Raquel Rodriguez is winning, I don't care who she's tagging with. If she's winning, I'm all for it. Fuck it. I was happy for it. And um, it kind of made this match... Uh, not that it meant any less or any more. Like, I, I don't feel like the tag titles would have benefited this match to begin with. Like, so they were the tag champs when they fought against uh, another trios. This is just a trios match. So not necessarily needed. The match itself at, uh, at Clash of the Castle um, was, pretty, uh, was pretty decent. It's a, it's a nice opening match. Um, I feel like the women have done better in other shows. And maybe this trios match was hmm, just a bit much. But, I mean, it, I feel like it's going to set up for more matches down the line. 
um, between Dakota Kai and and them, and then even maybe a singles match with Bailey and Bianca. Um, so, I mean, it was what it was. This match was was what it was. It wasn't a bad match. It wasn't an amazing match, but it was a good match. Yeah, and it did what it had to do. Like, uh, just it was more about putting over the trio, uh, and not so much about like you mentioned. The tag titles wouldn't have really made any of the, uh, of a difference. I felt also so. Um, it was what it was, and it did what it had to do. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely leading to Bailey and Bianca at some point, probably sooner rather than later. We'll see mm-hmm. when Becky Lynch gets thrown back into the fold at some point. Um, we cannot forget about her. Um, but moving on, we had a the match that actually I think me and you were kind of looking forward to the most mm-hmm. <laughs> out, of, out of the whole show, and honestly. It lived up to that hype, I felt, and probably exceeded. Exceeded. Um, it was. It was damn. It was. Well, it was actually. Int- it was fun at first because we saw Imperium was mm-hmm. back, and they're gonna roll with the the name that I already forgot his name. Something Giovanni Vinci. Is that what it is? Uh, I think so. I think Giovanni for sure. Okay, so he used to be Fabian Eichner in Imperium, but we'll forget about all that. Um, and now Imperium, the trio is back, not the full four man group. It was when it first started, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I don't think anybody misses Alexander Wolf, uh, but that's just me. Um, wasn't he he added on later on though? He wasn't in there like at the very beginning. Yeah, he was also added later, but when it was like, when they were feuding with the undisputed era, like it was all four of them. Um, Uh, well. I guess they kind of had to do that then because it was going to be a four-on-four kind of thing, right? I would assume so. I don't know the full story on it, but um, the trio is good enough with me. That's the, Mm -hmm. I believe when it was like the COVID era as well, that's the trio they were rolling with for the most part. But uh, yeah, I was excited to see that, which we'll talk about where that will kind of lead to once we get through the match here. Um. Got to give some props to Kaiser. He was fucking great on the mic, just hyping up Gunter, which did you think that they were going to say Walter since uh, they were kind of bringing everything back? Nah, I didn't think that, to be honest. Oh, I, man. I feel like at this point, it's too late to call him Walter. Yeah. Because he was already brought in as Gunter, and it's not even that big a deal, to be honest. So He's still, <sighs> he's still the same wrestler, just with a different name. Those Walter chants were great. Can you imagine like a Gunter chant? Yeah, I could. It's just Gunter. There's no difference. It's two syllables. The same thing. Walter, Gunter. Well, whatever, right? He's still a beast. We know what he can do in the ring, which we saw firsthand. Man, he was just beating the shit out of Sheamus. Um, You know, for the most... Dude, and then my favorite part, well, one of the favorite parts was when he did the chop to knock Sheamus off the top rope. Man, that shit sounded fucking loud. Like, God, bro. I, so many times in this match, I was just like, bro, like, that fucking hurts. What did you think of the match uh, before we get to, um, I guess, what what's next for them? Dude, um, it was amazing. I, like, it just seemed like two behemoths just fucking staring off against each other. And it's still super badass because, like, in the beginning, um, the Imperium... Uh, guys and uh, the brawling brutes 
Uh, they all kind of clashed against each other, and then Gunther and fucking Sheamus were just there, standing in the ring, staring at each other, um, staring at each other, kind of similar to how their kind of first face-off um, got uh, what was done. Um, it was just really cool just seeing them just like knowing like this, this is just the calm before the actual storm. Those guys get out of the ring. They're no longer there. They're not going to – and basically just saying that they're not going to be an issue in this match. There's No one's going to come up or anything. And right. I loved how they were building up to the, to the 10. Um, I don't know what they're called, but like the 10, like I guess fists, the, the, the fucking yeah, famous fists. Yeah. yeah, like they were building that building up to that and Gunther kept like running away from it and kept running away until he finally got it. Um, and the crowd was going crazy for that too. Like, uh, I, I can't even explain how excited I was for this freaking match. Uh, it was insane. It was intense, very hard hitting. Seamus was freaking red and just looked like he had, he was bleeding, um, from his chest and man, Seamus took a beating though. He was getting the, the shit kicked out of him. And uh, cross that he did, uh, aka like the razor's edge off of mm-hmm. the from the top rope, that was fucking crazy to me, dude. And, that the the fact that they can still even do that kind of stuff like after twenty minutes into the match, it was a long match too. It, it went on for a good while, and you know what, man? I for me, this one was match of the night for me for sure. It was just so damn good. It's definitely going to be hard to follow this match because just fucking crazy. And I want to say that it was the match of the night. And honestly, it probably was. It just that main event, which we'll get to, was insane in its mm-hmm. own right. Um, mm-hmm. But we still have some stuff to talk about about this match. Um, they eventually uh, have Gunter win with a mm-hmm. devastating Lariat clothesline for the win, which was. Uh, Pretty brutal. Um, and I remember just when it was over, I'm like, man, like, what a match. Um, like, they just went out there, beat the shit out of each other. Um, Sheamus was showing his battle scars. And I thought to myself, I was like, that was an intercontinental title fight. Like, mm-hmm. or just any kind of championship fight. That could have been a main event oh, yeah. uh, anywhere. Uh, that could have been a world title fucking main event championship match. Um, and then just loved the moment that they gave Sheamus at the end, just the, the reaction, the, the cheers, uh, applause, yeah. cheers. I just loved that for him. Um, he deserves his flowers, man. I feel like he, even though people know sometimes when they talk about how physical he is, he's very underrated, I think, still as a worker. Um, and just that he's been able to do it for, so long and he just left it all out there man uh that was probably i don't know if you'd agree with me but that was probably the greatest sheamus match i've seen oh no hands down don't have to right? find me about that one dude i i agree i agree i've never liked sheamus and sheamus sheamus in a match so much like in my life like it, that's just it was top notch and i actually was going for sheamus at, at certain points just because of how like i don't know like just the fact of how much he was actually fighting up like how often do you see Seamus Seamus being the one fighting up dude he was the one trying to overcome the onslaught that is Gunther you know so it 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 got me it got me 
it was it was fucking great, and it was a moment, bro. And one of the main reasons why this show was what it was was because of this match right here. So, bravo, gentlemen, bravo. Um, oh, I do want to say one little thing, just because yes. I know we're really not going to bring it up at all. Um, speaking of clotheslines, uh, what did you think of JBL showing up on on SmackDown? I first I was like. That's JBL. That sounds like him. And then Michael just basically confirmed that it was. Um, I mean, who else rolls around in a limousine with, with freaking Longhorn horns? <laughs> I didn't notice the Longhorns till like he drove away. But when he was talking, I was like, that sounds like JBL. But then I'm like, nah, I can't be. Um, honestly, could be good. JBL's I, great. JBL is great. And then honestly, um, Baron Carbon. Um, can get that heat like JBL did back in the day. So let's see, let's see where this goes. We see some uh, Baron Corbin doing some clothesline, clothesline from hell now. So he needs a mouthpiece, but I think he could be that guy that helps him um get to the next level and sure. become an actual world champion. Like, oh, for sure, I would love that for Corbin, man. He knows how to get heat. I, I wouldn't be mad at that. But, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. That's interesting. Um, Moving on to the next match of the uh, the card here. Uh, Liv Morgan was defending against Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown women's title. Um, As you know, I like Liv. Uh, um, I think I just like her. Like, it's just not even a... There's nothing um, really about her. It's just like you like her. You just yeah, like her. I just like her, basically. So, <laughs> so, and I honestly felt, man, that it might have been too soon to take it off the title of her, take the title off of her. But Shayna should have won this match, I thought. Um, and some yeah. people were very happy that Liv won, uh, which is cool and all. Like, I'm not mad at this, but. I just felt Shayna should have won. I'm not going to go into detail of the match too much because there really wasn't much to say besides that, that I felt that Shayna should have won. What did you think of this? It was a match, dude. It was like one of those, like, this was her, not in the same level. I won't say that at all. I'm not trying to compare, but it's the only thing I can think of. This match for Liv was like the Mick Foley match for Orton, you know? Like, it's just something to show that she has grit, that she can take a beating but keep going. Basically, just trying to make her the Rey Mysterio of the women's division right now. Like, she's small. She she shouldn't be winning anything. But she has the heart to keep going even though she's getting beaten, beaten up. So, I mean, I get what they're trying to do with her. I just don't care. I don't care about Liv Morgan. So, I agree. <laughs> Shayna should have won. But we're getting what we get. At least we're getting Shayna in, um, you know, uh, a position where she seems like a threat. Um, but I don't know. Just could have been different. Like I said, not too much to say about that besides uh -oh. what we've already said. So we'll just move on. Uh, before we get to the next match, this was very interesting. Just want to point out that Extreme Rules was announced for October 8th in Philly. Uh, it's on that. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, they're going back to the ECW, you know, uh, city. City I'm not, of Brotherly Love. What? Honestly, I'm not a fan of the pay-per-view. Like, um, it's lost its, it's lost its, like, its 
aura uh, about it. It's not the same as when it was first announced that they're going to be doing these extreme modes. And even at that point, it still wasn't like all that. Um, but, you know, I won't be surprised if WWE does something, you know, that's actually good. They've been on a roll lately, so I can only assume it's going to be good. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, they should have just kept calling it One Night Stand instead of just literally naming it the stipulation of the matches. Like, um, like well, I don't maybe, like TLC. Like, that's a stupid-ass pay-per-view. Well, maybe that the, if we... Money in the Bank's fine, though, because that makes sense. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, maybe this year is already like kind of planned out in terms of like the pay-per-views and what they're purchasing because every year... Um, for businesses, you know, you have an expense report. You choose, you choose what you're going to spend for the re- for the whole year or whatever. So maybe it's already set in stone. But maybe after WrestleMania, we might get those different pay per views that have different names. You know, but who knows? They might just stick to the same thing because I mean, it's not not working. It's just bad stories that are on there. I yeah, I would hope so. And um, NXT has like all the old fucking names. They have like Vengeance Day and Great American Bash and. Yeah, um, Vengeance Day, but yes, I think it is Vengeance Day. It should just be Vengeance, but if it's Vengeance Day, that's stupid. <laughs> I grew up with Vengeance Day. I think it, no, it was called. It, it, it was called Vengeance. No, nope, it's called Judgment Day. No, it was called Vengeance Day. No, it wasn't. Look him up. You're being <laughs> stupid. <laughs> what? Bro, that's Mandela effect. Of no, it's it. not. That's you being stupid and mixing it up with Judgment Day. Because there was a Judgment Day pay-per-view and there was Vengeance. What? It's not Mandela effect. You're just dumb. I looked it up right now. It's, it was called Vengeance Night of Champions in 2007. But it wasn't vengeance day <laughs> what okay that just blew my mind i swear it was called vengeance day it was, it was never dude never never wow okay that's fucking crazy i'm in shambles right now uh, this, is how, this is how the stupid mandela effect gets its wings from, from people like you just forget stuff <laughs> whatever we're moving on uh stream rule should be pretty solid um we get to one of the more interesting parts of the night as well. Uh, we get to Edge and Rey Mysterio teaming up against the Judgment Day of uh, Finn Balor mm-hmm. and Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. And Rhea Ripley, of course, is ringside. And Dominic Mysterio is ringside for Edge and Rey. So obviously the story was that Rey needed a veteran in his corner or, you know, mm-hmm. as partner or whatever. Dominic kind of is in his feels about that. Um, so that's kind of the story that they're building there. So we get to the match. Uh, before we get to what happened after the match, which is the main point here, a mm-hmm. um, couple things to point out. Uh, Edge did a fucking ugly 619, I thought. But it, was, but it was cool. So Dominic finally did a better 619 than somebody. <laughs> uh, um, because that was not pretty. Uh, but then he made up for it with the Spirit of Priest through the ropes. Uh, um, Dominic gets attacked by Rhea on the outside, and then Ray hits a suicide dive on them, which was pretty crazy. Rhea got knocked out in that, too. Uh, she had Dominic carried, and boom, everybody just fucking went down. Um, and then what a finish. Uh, Edge Spears Balor for the win after a 6-1-9, after and Dominic after- assisted. 
There we go. Dominic assisted. Dominic doing that lie, cheat, steal kind of shit right there. True, true. And, dude, what a pop on the finish, too. Like, Mm -hmm. crazy fucking um, pop, dude. I love the crowd. They were fucking great. Uh, Before we get to the the aftermath, what did you think of the match and the reaction that Edge got? It's pretty decent, man. And I, and at this point, honestly, though, when I was watching the video package, I'm like, damn, Rhea Ripley is the leader of Judgment Day. Like, right. I'm all for that. I don't care. Dude, Edge was getting his um his song sang like he was fucking Chris Jericho. Did you mm. hear that? I did. It's that British crowd, man. They were singing everything last night. I'm so, like, if Sami Zayn was there, dude, they would have gone crazy. Honestly, I think everyone would have would have sang his song without it being there. Honestly, um, dude, Go back ahead. to the back to the match too. Uh, Edge, dude, when he came out, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny that he came out in a mask. <laughs> I was like thinking in my head, I was like, man, I bet those people are real pissed off right now because they wanted to see Edge and take pictures of Edge, and he's there in a mask. I thought he was gonna wrestle with it. I'm like, oh god. Um, dude, I was a big fan of the mask. It was it was whatever. I'm not gonna corny. You know, it was corny. Yeah, it kind of was. It was. <laughs> if I'm gonna nitpick AW, it's only right that I nitpick WWE. Yeah, that I didn't like that, bro. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it, I honestly it was. It happened until you brought it up right now. It, it's. It was. Um. It wasn't a big deal though. It really wasn't because it didn't do anything for the match. It just. It just seemed weird when it was coming out. That's. That's all I could think about. I was like, man, these people who are like sitting right there, they're like, oh, I can't wait to see Edge. I can't wait to take pictures of him that he has a fucking mask on. It's like, oh, shit. Bro. Yeah, I would have been booing him. Like, you son of a bitch. You were in my picture. Uh, very forgettable, I thought. Because um, I honestly did not even remember that. But, yeah, that was what it was. Um, so that was the match, right? But obviously, what the world is talking about is the aftermath of that match. Um, obviously, we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I did, I think it was just this last episode that I called that the turn was going to happen, unless I said this off the air, but I knew the turn was going to happen. Yeah. But not like this. So, no. Um, you could tell that Dominic was watching Ray celebrate with Edge and not him, even though he provided a big assist in the win. Yeah. Um, and then he does the unthinkable. He kicks Edge in the balls and just wow. Um, the crowd's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I think it was the part where he grabs Edge by the face oh, while he's on his knees and throws him down. That just added just that extra drama to it, man. Oh. Um, and and he, then, like, not even just that, like when, when he went to grab Edge's face, he pushes Ray out the way so he can do it. Oh, yeah. man. And then Ray's asking him, like, what are you doing? He pleads with him. Uh, and then Dominic just clotheslines him, which uh, apparently was, like, the same way that Eddie turned on Ray, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Um, I had sent you uh, – someone had, show, uh, had put on Twitter, like, a comparison of the two turns, and it was, like, super similar. Uh, the only thing that was different was that uh, Dominic didn't, like, keep attacking uh, Ray afterwards, but – it was super similar, super eerie, and, and um, damn, man. Like, honestly, shoot, this might be what Dominic needed because he was, he was a decent work. He's not the worst, but he's definitely not the best. 
But him without him being that level of wrestler with no personality other than he's raised kid does not help him. This though makes me want to see what the fuck Dominic's gonna do next. Dude, it's it's honestly insane because and you're right, this is like what he needed and we've been waiting for it for a long time. I feel I feel like it's been talked about for maybe a year or since Mania. Maybe. Okay, since Mania, so that's when the talk started happening. Uh, pretty strongly there about that happening. Um, mm-hmm. But dude, Michael Cole saying like, like, damn it, kid, what are you doing? Like, he's your father, for God's sake. Just add it to the drama. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but like when he's walking to the back, you know, you know, ripping his shirt or whatever, just hearing like JR in my head, by God, why? Why, you sick son of a bitch? Or something, something stupid <laughs> like that. <laughs> Bro, imagine somebody should edit that audio into yeah. that fucking video, that'd be fucking great. Um, I love that Balor and like Judgment Day were like laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Balor was all hurt, like on the floor selling the fucking match, and he's still like cracking up about this. Um, because that's what they had been saying. Yeah. Um, they're booing the shit out of Dominic at this point, but I'm like, this is so good. Um, he walks away and like Ray's on the ground asking why. Um, and then basically he tells Edge to forgive him for his son's actions. Is basically what he's trying to tell him as yeah. they hug as well. Edge understands, hugs right back, and that's just kind of how it ended. But dude, because damn, like what the fuck just happened? It was so fucking great. I didn't like though. If I had to pick anything, I didn't like that Dominic took his shirt off because then he just exposed himself of what he really looks like. Because if he puts on some muscle mass, like. He's, and I, I know he can, but I don't know why he hasn't done that. Like he actually has. The problem is, is that toned. Um, he's gotten bigger, for sure. He's gotten bigger, and I only know this because recently, I think with Rey Mysterio's like anniversary and whatnot, they've been doing like videos of Rey Mysterio, and there are some videos of Dominic when he first started, and I was like, dang, okay, he has gotten a little bigger, but just a little bit. The problem is, he's like his arms have gotten bigger, and it's just. It's just big. Like, he's not getting toned, but he's getting bigger. It's slowly happening, and I think it's... The only time that a wrestler can actually do that when they're working the WWE schedule, the WWE schedule is if they go on, like, hiatus for a little while because there's no time during their fucking schedule to actually go work out and gain body mass. Yeah, I feel that, like, look at Montez Ford. Yeah. Um So that's, that, that's a good... Seth Rollins, so Roman like Reigns. Roman Reigns. Um, but seeing Dominic, uh, I think the tattoos has helped him to be honest, as far as like just his the appearance. Look. The look, yeah. uh, but there's definitely more that could be done there. Um, but this was just crazy though. Um, does he join Judgment Day or is this just like a solo thing? Or is he, yeah, that, that's the, that's the good question because he didn't join Judgment Day when he was out there, he left, he left. On his own, he might join the Judgment Day. I kind of hope that he doesn't, but I, it might actually be good for him. Um, honestly, though, I would say this was probably moment of the night for me, at least. I know that the main event for you might have that, um, only because you were on the wrong side, but we'll talk about that later. But uh, I want to say this is moment of the night for me. Definitely the what the fuck moment of the 
<laughs> of the night because like i said earlier when we started this part of the show um i did not i i, I knew it was coming but not yeah. in this way Mm-mm. so agreed yeah man. crazy shit we'll see what happens i'm excited to see where that goes and yeah man um uh, moving on we had the long-awaited match which was supposed to happen at SummerSlam, and we did not get that matt riddle yes i said it matt riddle uh got his name back going up against seth rollins um i don't know if they had mentioned like matt in his name before this night i could be wrong on that but um it's just the first time i was hearing it again so i'm like this is great uh hopefully champa can get his name back eventually um Corey, yeah, tabasco tabasco champa the former nxt champion Yes, sir. Put some respect on it. Um, so, uh, Corey Graves, man, he cracked me up when he said uh, when Riddle's coming out, he's like, apparently when Riddle heard we were going to Wales, he thought we were going to Bikini Bottom. <laughs> I don't know why that shit just cracked me up. But it was stupid. That's um, good. Love the outfit, though. Not going to complain about that. Um, honestly, man, what a match. Um, not going to get into every specific thing that happened in the match, but... Mm-hmm. At the end, as we saw, the emotions got the best of Riddle as he he was trying to hit Rollins with the chair on the outside uh, while he had his head like on the table. Yeah. Obviously, Rollins moved. Then he goes back in the ring. As he's climbing back into the ring, Rollins hits him with a fucking curb stomp. And one, two, three. Oh, no, he, no, he hit him with oh, another one from the, the top su- rope. The super curb stomp. Because, you know, anything off the top rope is called super. Yeah, so that just about did it for him. Um, and honestly, man, Rollins needed this win. Yeah, uh, he was super over with this crowd. Um, what did you think of the match and you know the decision to put Rollins over here? Um, the match was great. Definitely second best of the night. <laughs> it was a really good match. And just a tidbit of information. When Rollins was coming out in his little getup, you know, his Elton John meets the Satan getup, my little girl thought he looked like a chicken, uh, which is funny to me. But uh, it was a good match. It was, it was really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. There's, of course, only going to be more matches between the two. This isn't the last. Um, so, yeah, it was a nice win. Hopefully we can see Riddle, uh, Matt Riddle come back. It's, it's weird. I'm just going to call him Riddle now. Hopefully Riddle comes back and, and um, you know, Gets another win because he needs a win desperately too. But also while I was watching the match, I don't know why my mind goes like this, but I started thinking back. I'm like, you know what? I finally understand why he even wrestled the Street Profits um, at the beginning of this of this uh, feud after SummerSlam. Because the motherfucker never won anything. Like he kept losing against Cody Rhodes and all these other people. He finally gets some good okay wins against people to go against Matt Riddle. So, Yeah. I understand that now, and I understand uh, what's going forward. We're going to get more Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins, so I'm excited for that. Well, there's definitely going to be a rematch, I feel, at Extreme Rules, which um, Riddle will probably go over on that one. Under Extreme Um, Rules, I'm sure. Under Extreme Rules, yeah. And that'll probably be, if they don't put Roman on the show, that'll probably be the main event. Um, Since it's really not a big pay-per-view, it's just kind of... Whatever, and we've already seen pay-per-views with Roman not in the main event or not defending the title in the main event. So maybe they'll put the U.S. title as the main event. 
Well, I don't know. I just feel like this rivalry is the one that's been talked about a lot too because of that backstage interview they did this past week on um, yeah. on Raw. Yeah. Um, Man, what a fucking moment that was! That? Though. Yeah, we talked about that. I don't believe so. We haven't. That was this past Monday, dude. But that was fucking insane. Like to to build up for this match was perfect. It was great. Love that, bro. Love that. And I also want to point out. This is not me hating or anything, but that's the way you should do it when you're going to cuss and stuff like that and blur the lines or whatever. That's when you should do it and not on every other segment like fucking AEW does. Because I know Jericho seems to do that a lot in every fucking um, rivalry that he's in. He has to fucking cuss or whatever. But I don't want to get into that right now, but I just want to say that. That segment was fucking great, dude. Um, but yeah, Rollins needed and was the right winner in this match, especially in front of this crowd. Um, and dude, let's just enjoy Seth Rollins. Sometimes we go back and forth about what he's done, um, you know, in the last two years or so, but let's just enjoy his greatness, man. Seth Rollins Amen. is that guy. You go back and forth with what he's done. I'm good with it. Whatever. Um, his <laughs> matches are always great. That's never up for debate. Um, so, love this. We're moving on to the main event. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, what can I say, man? This the was video packages beforehand. Yes. I popped so fucking hard. For that, I must have went back and rewatched that shit so many times. Um, the only thing, though, I will say real quick before you get into everything um, with the song, his song, whatever, uh-huh. and they were doing everything. The picture of him at the very end of the video with him screaming or whatever the fuck, that was the same promo they used from like the COVID WrestleMania. Because remember, it was pirates and stuff. That was, that yeah. was used. That's recycled. That's a. Wow. Um, <laughs> thing to, to point out. Um, <laughs> That's why I wanted to point it out now before we get into the match. It just, it, 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 that <laughs> why you had to point that out, but... Um, <laughs> you're not going to stop thinking about that now. That's just... I don't even know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> so Drew comes out to his old song, Sorta, of course, because mm. it's only in that pre-fucking entrance video package they did, which... Uh, I thought it was great, man. They showed you know some of his early stuff, and then eventually how he's evolved into what he is now. Um, love that, fucking love that for him. I know he he's talked about it before. So, um, what a match, man. Uh, fuck, so much drama. Before we get to the finish of the match, just so many close fucking pins. Um, you know claymores and. Spears and God, I could sit here all day fucking talking about everything about this match, man. But what did you think of the match before we get to this finish uh, of the match? Okay, man. Um, probably the most I've seen where like Roman looked like he he was gonna he was gonna lose, dude. Like, man, I will say this because I'm not a big McIntyre fan, not a huge one. No, I don't. You know, disregard his talents and stuff. I think he's really good. Um, but he looked really good in this match. 
and very convincing. And the crowd was all behind him, man. It was um, the back and forth was really great. Um, a lot of spots where you thought it was really it was going to be over, but it never was. Yeah, and that's all I can say without talking about the finish, <laughs> dude. And for anybody that thought that McIntyre peaked before this, um, right. was no was wrong because I felt like he might have peaked at Clash at the Castle. Um. Besides, maybe if they do another match in a similar environment like they did at Clash of the Castle, and he goes over winning the title, but against maybe somebody else. I'm not saying it'd be Roman, but who who knows at that time, right? Then maybe that's when he would have peaked. But this was better than anything that he had done in that WWE title run because obviously he didn't have that moment at WrestleMania 36 mm-hmm. in front of the live crowd. Um, obviously, still a memorable thing because it was just a weird time in wrestling. But, yeah. um, dude, this was so fucking great for Drew. Uh, and like you hit it right on the nail when you said that this was probably the closest that we had seen Roman to losing um and there's been other matches when you kind of felt like oh what if there's a, a chance here you never know I, I remember feeling like kevin owens might have won that oh, a long yeah. time ago um even the cesaro match like you know he fucking made cesaro look good cesaro mm-hmm. made roman look good so there's been some moments um I was, uh, when he fought Edge at Money in the Bank, I was in attendance. I don't know how it looked in fuck on TV, but in attendance, we kind of felt like Edge was going to win just because everybody fucking loved Edge that night. Um, so this is what I'm saying. Like, Drew McIntyre could have won. And I thought he should have won, man. But we're going to get to the finish. Uh, let me not get too ahead of myself here because I can go on. Uh, so we get to the fucking finish here, right? Yeah. It feels like, or actually, no. Let's talk about Austin Theory. Oh, Austin yeah. Theory came out um, when they were both down. I forget what the spot was right before they both were down there. Um, Austin Theory's fucking music uh, starts playing, and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, this could be it." And I'm thinking, like, "What is this? What they're really gonna do?" Like. He gets all the way to where the ring bell guy is, and then, boom, just gets fucking knocked out by Tyson Fury. Um, I like that. Did you like that? I did, actually. I was okay with it, man. It wasn't a big deal, to be honest. I mean, he's a celebrity. Put him in there where you can. Um, I don't remember how long ago, but he had um, teased that he was going to be doing something with WWE. Um, I think it was a little before COVID or maybe a little bit after COVID. Maybe some shit went down. But for me, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, something to sh- like, uh, something legitimate to show that he's gonna like be knocked down and um, not gonna, you know, interfere in this match. Um, and instead of him being cashed in, so I, I thought it was good. Uh, and I'll be off. It was good. He looked good going down. I mean, Austin Theory can fucking sell. So I, I liked how he looked. He looked like he was like really knocked out. I'm not seeing those people when they get knocked out, they get all stiff. That's how he looked. Dude, yes, so fucking great. Like Austin Theory, I don't I wasn't gonna be mad if he had cashed in, but I would have been shocked that they would have done it, um, honestly. But 
he gets knocked out. So then eventually they'll probably do maybe some promos. I don't know if they'll actually do a match with Tyson Theory and Austin Theory. Um, but Tyson Theory. Oh, Tyson Theory. I'm sorry, and Austin Theory. Um, so they won't do a match, but I feel like Austin Theory. You could put him in a position where he could do something with like a celebrity, um, you know, person mm-hmm. coming in. Um, so I like that. It, it didn't take away from the match, right? Yeah. Um, so then we get to the point where we're set up for a Claymore. Roman's fucking staggering. Uh, here comes Drew ready to fucking do the Claymore. Crowd's going crazy, and you just had to feel like this is it. This is the moment right here. Yeah, especially because um, that referee fucking came with yeah. fucking theory. And then Claymore's fucking Roman. Michael Cole's like, we're going to crown a new champion. Like, I'm like, dude, this is it right here. Once he hits the two, the referee fucking gets pulled out of the ring uh, by a man in a hoodie at first. I didn't know who it was. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And then as they got closer, it turns out that it's Solo Sikoa. I hope I'm saying that right, but I know him from NXT. He is the Usos' younger brother, so you know he's bloodline. Um, And I know there had been talks about this happening before. Um, I just honestly didn't even think of that as a possibility for uh, a finish. Uh, what did you think of Solo making his fucking appearance here? I was like, another Uso? No. Um, I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, of course, because the, the Usos can't come over. I don't know why Sami Zayn wasn't there, but the Usos can't come over. Storyline-wise, I don't know why, because I guess they were beat up real bad on Friday night by um, McIntyre, so that's storyline-wise, but really, realistically, it's because Jimmy Jimmy Uso can't leave the country because of uh, his DUI shits. Right. Um, that's why he can't go to Canada. Um, and it was just perfect, dude. Lynn, in terms of storyline, was like, oh, yeah, this the, the one, um, you know, person in the bloodline or, you know, whatever the fuck. He's family. So it makes sense that he goes out there and he might be the, the, the enforcer of the group, almost like a, a, a Samoan four horsemen type of deal where he's the, he's the singles type of star to win the singles title as well. Roman has the big title and the Usos have the tag title. So I'm just ecstatic that there's more, more in the bloodline. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking happy, dude. And, I mean, that helped, that helped with the win. Dude, I love this, like, um, well, before I talk about Solo some more, um, he basically pulls the ref out of the ring, um, Drew's like, what the fuck, gets up, you know, all his attention is on him, he turns around, and Roman spears him, I believe Solo gets the ref in the ring, um, and then, you know, one, two, three, Roman Reigns finds another way to retain and continue this fucking historic time historic probably one of the greatest runs especially in this modern era train of all time um and yes usos were not there i thought sammy would have been there but for whatever reason he wasn't involved in this match at all 
Um, but yes, he retains, right? So you mentioned it. They're adding another piece to the bloodline, obviously, here since they're related. Mm-hmm. And yes, he could be that singles guy um, that can win a secondary title. I don't know if he'd be the one to take it off fucking Gunter, but if they build him the right way, it's not a bad idea. Um, um, I was more thinking Bobby Lashley, but yeah. Okay, okay. Um, well, right now, he's not credible enough to beat him. Nope, um, but they can get him there. But this mm-hmm. is what I like about the bloodline, that they have just found another gear to take this stable into a longer run. Uh, mm-hmm. Because once it becomes stale, you got to add something else to make it interesting again, or it's just going to go stale and you got to do away with it. So um, this is that extra gear that they needed to go probably to WrestleMania. Um, now, I don't think Roman loses it before then. Um, and honestly, I think that they probably think Rock's not going to be there. Uh, just by the way, Triple H was talking in that um, Ariel Hawaii um, interview. Uh, basically, he mentioned that it's all up to Rock. You know, basically, they want him there. But, you know, you never know. And things could come up. And that it's happened before. Because apparently, they were going to have a match not too long ago at a WrestleMania. And it, that ended up not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that... They probably think Rock's not going to be there, and Cody will be the guy to step right into that spotlight and take it from Roman. But who knows, right? There's a long way to go before we sleep. Um, any other thoughts on this and just the whole thing, man? The match in general, like honestly, the the event was super fun, um, and it had a lot of great matches in it. Um, and honestly. Uh, definitely a match that I feel is a contender for like match of the year with the Gunther and Sheamus match. Um, it was just all in all, it was an enjoyable watch for it being in the fucking afternoon here in the States. So, um, not bad. Uh, if this is what their, what their premium live events are going to be like going forward, then I'm all fucking for it. Because, what, this is the second one under Triple H, and that's only because the first one was already set in stone. Right. Before he kind of, like, took over. So, this is the first official um, premium live event, pay-per-view, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, that Triple H actually had all control over. So, I am in. I'm in. I'm in with WWE. I watched three hours of Monday Night Raw. I watched two hours of SmackDown. I'm for it. Yeah, man, I'm fucking thrilled uh, with the shit that they've been doing. Um, of course, it's not 100% perfect, but, like, just they've been more consistent. Um, it feels an AEW. Not that AEW has had all terrible stuff. They've had some good stuff. Um, interesting stuff. We're talking about stuff, right, which we'll get to. But WWE just has been doing it on a consistent basis. And if you noticed, even, like, some of the worst stuff on the show is just pretty solid at best um it's not terrible right like all the matches on this were pretty solid even the live match was what it was it wasn't terrible but um shayna looked like a beast i thought but and if you notice raw go ahead 
No, I was just going to say that that Liv match was probably the worst match on the card, but it still wasn't a bad match. Right, but if you had to grade it, yeah, it would be like the last match mm-hmm. on this card that was best. So, um, on Raw, even some of the worst stuff, um, and I think the worst stuff is like Nikki Ass or Dewdrop, um, shit like that. Uh, SmackDown, Viking Raiders, I'm not that into it. Uh, oh, that New Day. Can't say, can't say that for me. I just want to put it on record right now. I'm not shitting on the Viking Raiders and the New Day's match on Friday Night SmackDown. If you saw that, if you enjoyed that, I fucks with you. If not, you're stupid and your mother hates you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> not all that, but um, but yeah, man. Like Even some of the worst stuff on the show is is solid at best. It hasn't been like... Bro, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, it really hasn't yeah. been that. Um, I've said no. that with AW recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some questionable stuff in AW for sure, for sure, you, for sure. Can you name something that WWE has done since Triple H has taken over that had you like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Shit, man, not me. I know at first you were thinking about the the Dexter Loomis stuff was kind of kind of weird, but that story turned on you already. Yeah, um, something that. Something that should have probably been like, what the fuck are you doing? Turn ended up turning out to be really fucking hilarious when they did that. Uh, for me, when they did that thing where they attacked, uh, where KO destroyed, uh, what's his name, Ezekiel? Yes. And then um, they had his whole family there like the next week, I think. That was fucking hilarious. Uh, uh, that's it, dude. I, I can't think of anything offhand right now. Like, if you probably brought it up to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know what? But I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing here? Yeah, dude. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, WWE's been more consistent. Um, and I love that. Now, uh, we'll talk about uh, a couple more things. But as far as um, the show, man, great show, fun show. Um, loved it. Um, probably 9 out of 10, honestly. Mm. Yeah, it was a really good show. Um, nine out of ten. Yeah, I I can't really disagree with that. You know, eight point five nine. I don't care. It it was a really good show, top tier, for damn sure. Um, a, a great stadium show. Um, oh yeah. I do want to point out a couple more things before we get to the other side of the fence. You um do want to point out Cross had his first debut match against Gulak. He looked fucking strong. Any quick thoughts on that? Wait, wait. Who fought Gulak again? Uh, Cross. Cross. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a ma- it was a match. It was a squash match. There wasn't much about it, but I think the presentation of Karrion Cross was fucking awesome. Made him look like a star. Him coming out to the ring. Um, finally, people who who are watching WWE actually get to see what people in NXT were seeing, and I think that was dope. And I love that thing he did with with Sammy, where he sent the flowers with the TikTok on mm-hmm. the the card. That was great. Um, Pete Dunn slowly coming back. Any quick thoughts on Pete Dunn? Yo, I dig that. Even if they keep calling him Butch, um, that's fine. I kind of was thinking, I was like, how can we bring back the name Pete Dunn? Like, how can we really do that? And I was thinking, well, like, Seamus and them said that they call him Butch, right? So they're his friends, technically, right? So if someone else tries to call him Butch, like from the commentary team or whatever the hell, he can get pissed off. It's like, oh, my friends call me that. You can call me Pete Dunn whatever the fuck so like that's one way i don't know if they're gonna even bring back his name i really don't care that he's called butch 
But I do like that he got to wrestle this past Friday in his actual like wrestling gear and not in the fucking shirt and pants that they have been making him wrestle in recently. So he, I did dig that a lot. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know why it's kind of random. He always gives me some vibes like with um, the, the clothes that he wears that he comes out in Titanic. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just weird, but I'm glad to see him. He came out on NXT. And he was kind of being presented like um, they were acknowledging that he used to be the NXT UK champion. They were still mm-hmm. calling him Butch, but at least they've acknowledged his previous history, which uh, that's good. So uh, I love that for him. And one more thing before we move on. the I wanted to talk about the Ronda Rousey thing oh, yeah. with Adam Pearce. That was pretty good. Uh, basically, they've been having this beef where he suspended her. Uh, she's trying to get reinstated or something like that. And then Adam Pierce uh, finally snapped, started doing a promo, basically a, a heel promo, mm. saying that uh, it, they never asked him how he's doing, this and that. And then Pierce said, uh, you know, these people call you the baddest woman on the planet. Well, I call you the single biggest bitch I've ever met or something like that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did Adam Pierce just go heel right now? Like, what did you think of that? I thought it was hilarious. I didn't think it was a heel promo. I just thought it was like a weird little pipe bomb um, <laughs> from him. <laughs> well, the thing I like the most is as soon as he said, you're the biggest bitch I've ever met. He's like, sorry, didn't mean to say that. It's very unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this motherfucker. He... <laughs> Is scared and rightfully so, but it was it was great. I loved it. I wanted to point that out because I thought that was um a high point of the show. Um, and there's another thing that they've done um where they're kind of being a little TV fourteen. I don't know what the right word would be for uh this type of stuff that they're doing, but um, great shit, man. Um, any. Final thoughts on Clash of the Castle or just WWE in general before we move on to that other side of the fence? Um, no, not really. Not at this point. Other than I, I can't wait to see. Oh, um, one other thing from Raw that um, might lead into something. They kind of talked about it on SmackDown. And it might be something where uh, Solo actually gets involved. But um, Sami Zayn... Um, did not help the bloodline when KO when they were trying to make him hit KO with the chair. Um, oh on yeah. Raw. So that might lead into something, maybe a, a solo attacking, um, being the one to actually kick out Sammy from the bloodline, or I mean, just or just kick him out of the presence because we we know that they're just playing with him, him being in the bloodline. So that was something. We'll see where that leads. Nice, man. Um, yeah, uh, for me, uh, great weekend for them. Love that. Everything they're doing, even NXT is stepping it up. Um, I hope it returns to its glory days or somewhere near that at some point, but that's another combo. Um, WWE, man, great stuff. Can't complain. If not, I'd be just nitpicking at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff we can nitpick, but. Alrighty, we got we got over the you know that was actually short winded because WWE wasn't much a lot on that card. But now we're gonna go to AEW, where we have a fifteen 
match card, a fourteen match card. Um, now, it, full disclosure: this was a great night too. Not as I'm not gonna say it was as great as the WWE one. Um, I, I thought that he did a little bit better, and it also helps that they didn't have as many matches. But that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of good things that happened in AW All Out. Um, I'll tell you right now, Zero Hour, I'm skipping that bitch. There was four matches or three matches on there that were that really led to nothing. Um, or four matches, my bad, four matches. And, you know, they were okay. They were okay matches. We got to see a returning Kip Sabian. Um, been a while since, he, uh, since we've seen him. He has a weird gimmick almost similar to like an al snow head gimmick over the box that he puts over his head that's the reference you got like that's the that's how i saw it because he was like talking to the box head like saying what do i do and stuff which is not a big deal to me i actually think that could lead to some really entertaining stuff but that's what i that's how i see it why what did you think of it as honestly it's just it's whatever because Kip Sabian, it was interesting that he was coming back at first. Um, I thought he should have kept rolling with that Forgotten Pillar stuff he used to say because he's like apparently the Forgotten Pillar when they started the company. He was like that. You know how they talk about the four pillars of AW yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Um, he was also in that group as like being one of the young guys that they were bringing in. Yeah, but, um, Sammy and him had a match on the first pay-per-view. Yeah, there you go. So like they had plans, obviously, for him, but the guy just doesn't do it for me. Like, he's smaller. He does the same thing that a lot of other people do. So, there's the really not much of... The nitpicking. Okay, smaller. Everyone in AEW is small. Well, the the box thing that he's been doing does make him stand out differently than other people. But, I mean, you either like it or you don't. And it's honestly whatever, well, man. Right now, it's whatever. I feel like they can do something with it. Because right now, there's not much that that we can go off of other than he was standing there with the box over his head. And now we see the match and he's actually talking to the fucking box. Um, So there's only only time will tell. I'm interested in what they could do with that, Um, which is better than where he was before, where I wasn't interested in him. And I was more looking forward to seeing Miro. Well, it'll be some great content for Rampage, I'm sure. Um, but I just don't have much faith in it, and that's just me being honest. Yeah, but yeah. There's not much faith in Tony doing that stuff. Um, yeah. other than that, it was probably the only thing that stood out. I mean, the Eddie Kingston match was pretty pretty good. Uh, Ishii versus Kingston. Uh, Kingston won. Um, and just a brutal match between the two, just beating the shit out of each other. Not a bad match. What did you think of that match, though? Uh, it was solid. I mean. Both guys are pretty solid in the ring. I like Eddie as just, he's just a great baby face just because he's just naturally real, I feel. Um, but this match is just whatever, man. There's a reason why I was on the pre-show. Um, yep. I just don't think Eddie Kingston should have been put on the pre-show, but uh, that's it's whatever, honestly. Yeah, there wasn't really much built to it. Just a match to have a match. It was a good match. Um, you know, AEW stuff, wrestling matches. But let's go ahead and go into the main card. So the first match that we have is the Casino Ladder Match um, for a chance for a title shot for the AEW World Heavyweight title. Um, first two people in the ring is Ray Phoenix and Willie Yuta. 
Um, this match made sense for them to be a part of it um, just because, you know, it's a ladder match. You always want to put in the high flyers in there so they can do some crazy, stupid shit that you don't really think is necessary, but it's definitely fun to watch. Um, it wasn't too bad. The funny thing about it, though, was when Rush was coming out and Rush was like, Taking his time, taking off his clothes, and like the commentary team was like, "Well, oh, he doesn't seem like he's too much in a hurry." They're <laughs> shitting on it like so hard, and and he's going so slow that that um, Wheeler Yuta's going up into to you know climbing the ladder to get the freaking um, poker chip, and fucking he's going so slow that he misses his spot to push Wheeler Yuta down. That Ray Phoenix comes in to push him down one time. Really, you did knock him back down and climbs again. Does my dryer. Um, and climbs again. And Rush is still taking his sweet ass time and he's still not down to the ring. And really, you just have to go even slower until Rush finally comes in the ring, knocks him down. And there we go. And it's ridiculous. Okay. Like, like he was basically exposing the fact that, well, I don't have to hurry into the ring because this is all planned anyways, and the match is not planned on being ended right now. So, um, bro, just right now it's just laughable, but at the time I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you're yeah, moron. it was but. weird, and and but I mean, it's whatever at this point. So Rush does that, then out comes Andrade, who does the same damn thing. He's a little slow. He's taking off his mask. Rush notices him, and then he's like, oh, here's my buddy. And so instead of them both climbing to the top to get a title shot, instead they go outside, start getting more ladders, and start attacking people. Um, I, if I want to make sense out of this, I could. <laughs> I could try to. It would, still wouldn't make any sense. But it's whatever. So they're just attacking people, just putting more, more bodies down to the ground. And then finally Claudio comes out, starts laying out some people, blah, blah, blah. Um, nothing too crazy has happened at that point. Like, I don't know. Dude, Claudio, um, when he came out and he immediately ran over to Wheeler Useless to see, you know, basically, a, hey, get up. That's when I realized I was like, they booked nothing but teams in this match, didn't they? Like, because I knew Pentagon was in this match at some point. So I'm mm -hmm. like, there's three teams. That's what I told you. That's what I told you last week. Dante was the only one, and the Joker, of course, like that were not in a team. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, there's a chance at a world title match on the line, and like you mentioned, Andrade and Roosh were over there trying to set up ladders for some reason. Instead of deciding who was going to go up there and get it, um, or them fighting it out to get it, like it just made no sense bro it, but, didn't, it didn't make any sense and then we have dante martin come out after claudio who it's not his fault but he almost gets hit by a fucking ladder that's falling like what the fuck and then jesus christ i don't know he just does some flips some jumps you know what he's what you would expect him to do honestly they should they, the the lineup for this match is just horrible if dante martin was the only person in there and we had like claudio um, Penta and maybe Andrade and the other three guys, the other two guys really could have been replaced by somebody else. It would have been fine. Maybe like someone from the best friends or someone from um, just anybody who's not in a fucking team with the other opponent. It doesn't make any sense to have three teams in this fucking thing. <sighs> Anyways, after that, Pen Penta comes out. And did you notice, <laughs> again, I have to stop. Did you notice that Penta 
Andrade and Rush all had fireworks. Like, why do they have fireworks? Like, they're supposed to be no. running in. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't notice that, man. But that's just stupid. Now that I'm thinking why, about it. Like, why do they have fireworks? Uh, I, I hate I hate to shit on AEW. I really do. But sometimes the things that they do are fucking stupid. Doesn't make no sense. And you can't say this is what wrestling is. It's like, dude, I understand. Me more than mo- that more than anyone here talking understands that there can be some silly shit in wrestling. This should have been a more serious match because it's for a title shot. And no one seemed to care. Everyone was just worried about making like setting spots and stuff. This and, is what I'm saying, bro. And like I think I didn't notice it because it seems like everybody in AEW has fireworks or some kind of thing. So um, maybe it was just natural, just whatever. I zoned that shit out, I guess. I don't know. But yes, dude, it should have been taken a little more seriously. Like it didn't feel like something was on the line. Uh, And we'll get to the finish of this, but it was just weird. Yeah, no, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, cool spots, not going to lie. Like, there were some cool spots in there, some crazy spots. There was a spot where uh, Penta, I think it was Penta. I think he was climbing the, the ladder. Oh, no, it was Andrade. He was climbing the ladder, and Claudio um, was picking up the ladder, and it had, was leaning on another ladder. It was like crazy shit. And I ended up, it wasn't doing what they wanted to do because he kept having to hold it up. And so instead of whatever they were trying to do, he freaking tosses Andrade out, out of the ring from the top of the ladder. So crazy shit, man. It just wasn't the best ladder match I've ever seen, especially for the casino ladder matches that they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, this was probably the worst one for sure. And I was um, not even popping for the spots, bro. I was just kind of like, damn, all right. Like, that's what they did. Um, and like, I don't know, man, because. I feel like when WWE does it, they don't do it often. So when it does happen, it's like, oh, like, he just went through the table after this and that. And then AW, like, it's like, oh, here and oh, there. Like, oh, my God. And, and I can't say much about WWE doing any better. Um, they have had really great ladder matches. But the problem WWE has is that they have, like, two different ladder matches in the same night. Sometimes three. They've had, like, a shit ton before in the past. Um, so... Yeah, it's few and far between, but then they have two money in the bank matches. But there's something and on the line. It's it's like it's tradition. Like it's money in the bank. This is tradition too. They just fucked up on this year because they've done one every single year. Well, they do casino this and casino that. Like I don't know. No, it's a casino ladder match. It happens every single year. First one, it was the brass ring match. I don't fucking know what that was called. But they do them, dude. It's that's nitpicking. What you're doing is nitpicking. That's ridiculous. Whatever. Let's get to the finish here. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. You, you want to come over here and nitpick some stupid shit. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so at the very end, after Penta's out and everybody's out, you're like, all right, let's see who the fucking Joker is. And then masked men come out. I'm like, oh my God, what is this, a jihad? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, these masked men come into the ring. They lay out everybody. There's about four or five of them. There's a lot. Um, obviously one was Morrissey because the other one fucking guy was like seven feet tall without taking off his mask. They, of course, they all take off their mask and you, you see who they are, but I'm just saying, Morrissey, why'd you put on a mask? <laughs> like, you're Can tall shit. Out? Can we just point out really quick, uh, who those men are? So it's Ethan Page, uh, Lee Moriarty, uh, the Gun Club, 
William Morrissey, and was there like one more? Yeah, it was Stokely Hathaway. He was the one who climbed the ladder and actually took the poker chip off. He took off his mask and it showed him. Ethan was there holding the ladder because like, Stokely is scared. <laughs> Morrissey's there, which, like I said, again, you do not need to wear a mask when you're seven feet tall. Um, you're the only seven foot tall guy that we've seen on TV. But I guess this is what Stokely's been doing, giving out his business cards. He's been recruiting for somebody. And that person was the Joker. And the Joker walked in all cool, calm, collected in his mask, which I thought the mask looked cool as fuck. I'm not going to lie. So he's out there. He grabs the poker chip. He's, he's happy. And he uh, seems like he's about to take off his mask. And he says, oh, no, 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 not in my house. And then he walks away. The mannerisms and everything else, we'll get on. We'll get into the after the fact. But the Joker was the one that won this match. And honestly, at the same time, saved the match for me. Because it kept it interesting. It made it interesting. It was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where the fuck did this come from? In all, the match was a clusterfuck. Was the worst use of Claudio that they've done so far. Um, uh, that was a, it, The match was weird, but even... As they were starting to do that finish, like where the the guys were going in the ring with the mask or whatever, I was like, this could be really bad. Like, this has the feels that I don't know what they're doing right now, but this could be, like, terrible, right? Um, and then when I kind of saw, like, the mannerisms of the person who shall not be named right now, uh, I was like, okay, like... That could be him. Like, this could be interesting. But uh, other than that, though, I think that's what saved it. But it could have been really bad. I just didn't like it at first. But no. it was okay. It was decent. A lot of the things that we did right now was nitpick, to be honest. Um, but those little things, though, are the whole long way. That I think the one part that, that really got me like confused, the rest of the match was fine, was just the Rush. Rush and Andrade parts when they were coming out because they like did nothing. After that, that was like kind of the last time you see where like they're not trying to win a match because they're already, already everybody's already in, so everyone's already fighting each other. There were some cool spots. Um, like I said, the Claudio one was weird, but it was cool, sketchy as hell. Andrade did a sunset sunset flip um, to Wheeler Yuta from the ladder that was leaned against the ropes, which was a little before the Claudio spot. And then when Penta came out, as soon as he came out, he did a, I forgot that he actually did a Canadian Destroyer to, Mar um, to Martin. Like, as soon as he came out, it was fucking, it was ridiculous. It was cool, ridiculous, but that's pretty much it. Nothing of significance other than the ending, which was all you need, really. As long as the ending's good, I'm fine with that. Dude, and honestly, fuck Andrade and Roosh, because I feel like these guys just don't understand what makes sense sometimes like they don't understand the business i feel like bro they were doing shit like that just didn't make any sense bro and they always do stuff like to me i don't know man i'm just i don't like andrade anymore uh the only time he was any good was in nxt oh my goodness and okay and, and he's just not the, he's not the same person as he was in in nxt he's not no i guess so as far as, think about this, I'm pretty sure all the stuff that he's been doing and the ideas he comes up with, that's just, that's all him right there. And it hasn't been good. Like, I'm just so disappointed in him because I know he can go in the I, ring, 
it's just with stuff like outside of a one-on-one match, like a gimmick match like this that we saw, he just doesn't know how to do stuff that makes sense. And like, unless they're just telling him to do that, or I don't know. I doubt that he's the one thinking of, of doing, he's the only person thinking of what he's doing in a match with five other people. I doubt that. That's just not how setting up a match works. I'm pretty sure he puts in ideas and then other people put in ideas. This is a collective effort. Collectively, it didn't come out. Um, I can't say anything about Andrade, Roosh. They do actually really well when they're singles matches. Um, but yeah, this gimmick match just wasn't good for anybody. Like They weren't the main source of issue here. There was a lot of issues. He's but- honestly funny to me, bro. Like, when he talks and he does his segments, I think it's just the accent that gets me, and I just start laughing. Like, he just, <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know, man. Andrade has been a letdown for me, but. We hang out around a lot of people that sound like that. Not really hang out <laughs> with people like that, but we know people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes. That's why it's funny. So. <laughs> but it's just, and then I see him, he's literally, like, trying to act like, I don't know. I, I think he has a cool gimmick and the problem with those promos is I feel like he needs to just do the promo in Spanish and he'll be fine there's stuff that like there's stuff that they do like when um, like they're not all bad is all I'm saying you're nitpicking too much right now you're just nitpicking too much they, I'm just gonna say they should have kept Chavo um, as like his spokesperson what he was there like a week or two or remember when they did that shit with Chavo yeah and then he wasn't that was weird, but um. Or Vicky Guerrero, like what the fuck happened to her? Ah, uh, Vicky Guerrero. She was with uh, she's with Nyla Rose, but she was with him when he got brought in. Remember, like for a week or two. Also, like I don't know. They bring in a lot of people. That's just but, an example, yeah, of that. So sorry, not a big issue. Um, but yeah, that was the first match. And we go ahead and go into the second match of the night, which was the uh, trios championship finals. Uh, the Elite versus Hangman and Dark Order. This was a this was actually a pretty good match if you just take it outside of the contents of a of what a tag team match should be. Um, we shall saw later in the night what tag team matches are supposed to be like. The match was um, pretty decent. There wasn't anything that I think stood out more than the rest. It was your typical Bucks style match. Bucks and Kenny style match. Um, in the end, the Elite did win. They are the new trios champions. And that's it, dude, man. There's not much that comes out of these matches other than like they won the title. Like what what's really next for them, you know? Well, this trios match was um not a bad match. It was it was solid. It was honestly it wasn't terrible, but um it was kind of random that they kind of threw Paige in uh, kind of last second, I felt. But um, it was what it was. He teamed up with uh, that taller dude that kind of looks like Trent Beretta now uh, with that beard he grew out. And then that fucking midget, uh, John Silver. So, um, I don't know, man. It is what it is. Like, there's really not much to say. We all knew that. Kenny Omega and Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, we're going to win the titles. Um, where they go from here, I don't know. We'll get to some of the aftermath of this event uh, with these three. Uh, but as far as like the trios titles, hopefully they can 
get some other legitimate trios in here to put on some solid matches. Um, but this is not terrible. There's just not much to say about it. So I have to yeah. agree with you. Yeah, I mean, just um, there was a part that you had pointed out when we were watching the show where Kenny um, yelled out, you know, to the boys in the back, follow that. And uh, well, mm, some boys in the back that. did follow that. We will talk about that later. I'll bite him in the oh. ass just because that wasn't this wasn't the best night of the match, best match of the night. That's for sure. Um, so going on to the next match after this was uh, Jade Cargo versus Athena for the TBS Championship. And um, Jade came out dressed up like She Hulk, which was pretty dope. Not gonna lie, not gonna lie. Um, but again, you know, this was just. It was a decent match. Um, Athena did come out with some um, quick offense in the very beginning, making you think it was going to be over real quick and soon and in a hurry. She hit her finisher off the top rope. I forget what it's called. Um, But no, it wasn't over. Jade kicked out, and the match continued. And um, bing, bang, boom. Jade comes out as the winner, as the the TBS champion. And um, it was an all right match. Not Not too crazy. Um. Again, it, it was just what it is. What it is. This this um feud has been lingering here, but it really wasn't like there was no real build to it. There was build to it, and then there wasn't, and it just wasn't that great. Like it wasn't must see TV. Like when they yeah. were feuding, and then even in the beginning when J- when Athena you know hit her finisher, you got the baddies, which are literally what their name are, bad. Um, and doing their job because they were late to break up the pin, and they were the ones to break up the pin. I, wait, I, I just just thought about this right now. Isn't this a singles match? Wouldn't that be disqualification? Uh, I would assume so. Yeah. Okay. Just more shit that don't make no sense because these referees don't do shit, except for short bald man who seemed to actually be trying to. But we'll talk about him later. But yeah, what did you well, think about this match? Um, it wasn't a great match, but I'm not saying it was terrible. Uh, it honestly was probably one of the better matches she's had just because, um, all the, yeah. And all the other defenses are against girls like Anna J, Ty Conti, that Panetta before, whatever, that are not going to go longer than they should. But this was, um, it says here that they went four minutes and 40 seconds. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, just continuing to build Jade more and more, and we've debated about her on and off the air. Uh, but this is what you're gonna get out of Jade for now. Um, yeah. Who knows, right? You know, she's being booked like, like if she's Goldberg. Uh, you made the comparison to Warrior off the air. I don't think that's really the same thing, t- um, or it could be. That's a whole other debate, right? But it Me, was Warrior was Jade. Warrior Jade. Goldberg, technically are the same. So Jadeberg was just fucking just dominant here. Um, Athena shouldn't have gone over. You're dumb if you think that she <laughs> should have. She just has lost her aura, man, of that first NXT run. Uh, she might have peaked, and it's sad. Uh, that's just my opinion, though. I don't think she like. I don't. I don't think so. I think she's underutilized. She used peak too much. It's under. She's underutilized. And uh, and everything that she's done after NXT, I I won't count that out completely. Just because a lot of people 
as much as they AEW has shit on WWE for underutilizing guys, they've underutilized a lot of guys. So, yep. um, yeah, you're you're not a hundred percent wrong. Um, but I honestly just don't think Ember Moon, uh, or whatever you want to call her, Athena, she's just not as good as she probably thinks she is, and that's and she's not getting any younger. I I think she's on the older side, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but. Yeah, she's peak, bro. Come on, no, nah, just call it, it what it is. No, no, she as long as she's here in AW, she's not gonna get a chance. Trust me. Mm, we'll see. So we go ahead, and um, like I said, that match was was a match. Like, like, ah, man. Anyways, anyways, um, going on oh. to the next match, we get our we get the FTR and Wardlow or the Pinnacle. Versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. And what do you know? This was a great match. And what helped this match be great was actually the referee also. I'm not going to lie. The referee played a big part in this. He was really um, adamant that there were only two people in the ring. He was yelling at people to get out of the ring. You know, it seemed like they really cared about what tag team rules were. So, I mean... How can the match not be great? You have FTR, Motor City Machine Guns, and Jay Lethal. I can't say Wardlow because he's still fresh and new, and you haven't really seen him wrestle anybody who's under his level. You know? So he's always wrestling some really decent guys, other than the time he wrestled 20 billion fucking security guards. So, man, what, what can you say? That's, that, was a, that wasn't awesome about this match, man. Motorcycle machine guns, um, holding it down, um, keeping uh, Dax Howard in the match as long as they could, beating him down, beating him down. Tags were made, and then finally Wardlow comes out at the very end, beats the shit out of everybody, power bombs uh, Jay Lethal about four or five times, and then they win, which was a decent win for them. Jay Lethal keeps losing, unfortunately, but I mean at least this time it's not anybody who who doesn't deserve to go over. So we got Wardlow and FTR as the, as the winners. At the very end of the match, they start getting attacked um, by the other team. And then we hear our boy Samoa Joe's music. He comes down to the ring, lays out everybody, and then you see uh, just champions in the ring just holding their belts and being, being champions, man. What did you think about this match? Um, it was a... Better trios match than the one we had seen prior uh, with the Young Bucks and Kenny. So imagine that FTR in a match that makes sense. Um, this was good. I liked it. It was one of the better matches on the card. Uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban were fucking working great as heels, I thought, because um, mm-hmm. most of their career they've just been baby faces. But, um, you know, of course, fucking Jay Lethal's always solid. Always at the bare minimum. Um, and then at the end with Samoa Joe, I guess um, it is what it is, man. I mean, does it make sense to you? I mean, or yes, they he was feuding with uh, Jay Leto and Sanjay Dutt. But like, I don't know. It's just kind of another thing they always have to do after a match. And it's like, did you really have to do that? I don't know. The ending, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing, um, honestly. It was no, good it to see Smojo, but... Smojo. It wasn't like the fucking um, Jericho Appreciation Society stuff where they kept interfering like at the end of every fucking night and it's all of them coming out. Like, it just didn't... It was whatever. There's extra members in the 
that weren't wrestling. So it made more sense. They were out there already. It's not like they did a run out. It was just Samoa Joe coming out um, for everything. So not bad. I hope we don't get more multi-man matches with these guys, but we'll see. Time will tell. And um, that's probably the last we see of the Motor City Machine Guns. If not, they might be here for a little bit longer. Who knows? I know that Impact is working with AW in some capacity still. So we'll see where this leads to. Now, well, um, a tag match between FTR and Motor City Machine Guns. But that'd we'll be see. pretty dope, just seeing a regular tag match. We kind of saw that for the most part. I mean, Wardlow wasn't tagged in, but twice, I think, last night. So we'll see. All right, we're going on to the next match of this long-ass fucking card. We get Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. You know, two former Team Taz teammates. Um, I still think this was a little too soon. We'll have to see where this goes. The match was um, pretty good. It was kind of short. Um, I felt like it could have been better. Um, and I, I feel like a big majority of that is the fact that uh, I I think that their build needed to be just a little, a little bit longer. They needed to be held off. And this is why I think that not everyone should be on these big old pay-per-views. I think you need to let a, let a story simmer. Or like, yeah, just simmer. You know, slow cook. But they brought it to a head here. There's probably going to be more after the fact. But it seemed like a very definitive win by Powerhouse Hops. Um, back and forth for a little bit. And then Ricky Starks goes running at Powerhouse Hops. And he catches him. Lays him out with a freaking beautiful, devastating fucking spine buster. I don't know if, if Aaron Anderson's giving him any pointers or anything, but it looked fucking good. And it was a quick one, two, three, and that was um, honestly very surprising. Um, I think Powerhouse Hob, you know, deserves the, the win, but I felt like Ricky Starks needed a little bit more offense, maybe. Um, I don't know. Weird match. What do you think? It was weird, but I mean, it made Hobbs look fucking strong because it was almost a squash match. Like, yeah, but uh, against Ricky Starks, though, man. That's the thing, and that's like, I don't know. It just for Starks, maybe he's gonna take some time off. I don't know, but he just didn't look strong here, and the match started off hot. Uh, so I was like, okay, this could be really good. And they definitely could have win at least another five minutes. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, I did like that it made Hobbs look strong. Because, like I said, it was basically a squash match here. But I don't know what it does for Ricky is the question here. So Yeah, we'll have to see where, where this leads him. Whether he's going to stay going after Hobbs. Or it's going to be kind of like a redemption story. Um, we'll see. There's ways to go to go about this, but it's just a weird, just a weird way to build it. So we'll see. There's only only time will tell. Now going on uh, to another match. Jesus Christ. Um, we got Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaimed for the AEW Tag Team Titles. And let me just tell you right now, this was my match of the night. So, um. The match was kicking off, you know, you have, it's a, it's a decent match in the very beginning, not too much is going on, then what happens is that Bowens slips on the, t- on the middle rope, and it looks like he's injured his knee, and then that all changes, I think from that point on, that's when you feel like the matches, the, the um, Swerve and Our Glory are playing the heels, because um, they just look 
vicious. And the chance in this match were going back and forth. They were swerving a glory chance. They were a claim chance. You knew that the crowd was torn, torn between each other. And, well, geez, man. Uh, when Bones went down, that's when the match really picked up. Um, he was left in the ring. You almost felt like he wasn't going to make it just because of that injury. It looked real, honestly, especially because he's had his uh, fair share of knee injuries um, in the past. And, man, I, I don't even know. There was times when I thought that we were going to get an acclaimed title run in that um, in that match. So many false finishes that looked like they could have really just done it. Um, the match had enough time to tell the story that they needed to tell. And Swerve in Our Glory came out on top. Um, I think this match made the acclaim look even stronger than they already did. Um... They had shaking hands at the very end, which was kind of weird. Well, they didn't shake hands. They scissored each other, which is even weirder to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was the best match of the night. It was really great. The story was there. It made you really feel for them, uh, especially the acclaimed. So we can only see, we'll only be able to see what happens now going forward. But don't, don't doubt that this match ain't going to happen again because this was a great, great match. Honestly, best match by far. Of this night, you, dude. I I love this match. I think this match. Um, there's a debate because I have always said that the greatest tag match they've ever done, uh, AW. I'm talking about was the Kenny and Page versus the Bucks at like Revolution before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, that match was probably the best one they've done. But this match is right there. Like, this was probably one of the best, probably the best tag match they've done, dude. Um, Swerve and fucking Keith Lee were playing heels. Um, you know, you could tell that Keith Lee was just, like, taking it all in and just fucking feeding off the crowd. Like, great shit, dude. Love that. Um... And then yes, they started targeting um, his his knee or whatever uh, Bowens, and you felt for them like I was getting fucking worked, bro. Like I was in this. I was like all the close fucking pinfalls. You thought that was it, like a couple times, and it wasn't. And it's like, come on, bro. And then they would even start to boo when that wasn't it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, this crowd. If you were going to give it to the acclaimed, this was the crowd to do it. This would have been a signature moment, not only for them as a team, but as a company. Like, that would have been that great. I believe that. I truly believe that. And they didn't call an audible. People are questioning whether they should have. Um, dude, they should have called the audible and they should have given it to the acclaimed, man. Like, this was it, bro. Um, there's already questions on why Swerve and Lee are even a team. There was, you know, doubt about that when they put the titles on them. Um, why not do it here? Like, I don't understand that, but I don't want to take away from the match. So it was fucking great regardless, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. So I'm not too, I, I'm not too big on that. I, I know I heard the questions too if they should have done an audible, but like 
first of all, in the media scrum, that's that's a dumb question to ask. Like, they're not going to talk like that. That's stupid. That's some bullshit. Especially in front of the champs. You really <laughs> talk about whether or not you should have done an audible. Tony was mad about that, that they kept asking about it. Yeah, because it's a stupid question to ask. Like, it, it's ridiculous, really, to ask that question. That's, that's like, too inside. Like, that's decision-making in front of the champs that you already decided were going to be the champions, you know? Uh, yeah. To say, like, oh, yeah, well, I was thinking about it. Like, oh, yeah, you were, dude? Like, for real? Like, what? We're just going to get rid of this? Like, honestly, I'm, I'm okay with them not winning the title right now. Because... I felt like the build to this match just wasn't there to begin with. So I was already upset with that. But then, you know, they have this amazing match where, you know, it was a mistake on Bones for slipping and hurting his knee. And, you know, that could have, like, you could make that into the story. Like, that that was, you know, if he was didn't hurt his knee like he did in the middle of the match, you know, even though it's his fault, we could have had a different outcome because they were that close. Even though that only, like, they had, like, one and a half guys in there. Because Bones was only half the person he was after he got that injury in the match. So I feel like this can build to an even better story and build an actual, like, chase for the title. Unlike the build that they had where they're just like, hey, y'all want a title shot? Here y'all go. No, now they're going to be like, yo, we deserve that title. We deserve to be the champions. And they get to tell that story of how they deserve it. And then you can get the crowd even more behind them. Because at first, this was a face-versus-face type of match. Yeah. Now you're going to have a definitive heel-versus-babyface. And when they come into the ring, people are going to boo the shit out of swerving, swerving Our Glory. And you're just going to have all the cheers going to the acclaim. Instead of it going back and forth like it did tonight. This was well, a... Go ahead. I was going to say, um, this match, though, like... <sighs> they were playing like heels, but in the media scrum, Keith Lee was saying differently than Swerve. Like, Keith Lee was trying to say, like, I don't think we were heels. Like, we were just trying to... It felt like we were trying to prove something uh, out there, and basically that's how that's why they were acting that way. But then uh, Swerve made it seem like more like, nah, bro, like, you know, if they want to talk shit or whatever, like, I'm trying to win. Like, I'm I'm not trying to be out there to, you know, be a fucking heel or a babyface. Like, I'm just trying to do whatever it takes or whatever. So I feel like we're already starting to see the differences and the cracks in this team more and more. Uh, that's just the vibe I'm getting from it. But do you think they'll take it off if they do a rematch? Take them, Take the titles off of them? If they do a rematch, that's where they should do it. I think if you don't do it, then you're just really not going to help the other team losing twice in a row, you know? Well, they so. said after Ash Stadium, and Tony was basically saying it in the media scrum that he was, yeah, you know, that was going to be the match, like, especially after the match they just had. And Swerve was like, why? Like, why are you going to do that? And, you know, we've already beat them. And then at the end, it was kind of like, but you're the boss, you know, like, you pay the bills. Um, yeah, I heard that too. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if they do it at Arthur Ashe, it's a good spot to do it too because that crowd was pretty rowdy the last time they were there. Aren't they from that area or am I wrong about that? Mm, you might be right, but I'm not sure. I well, can't that, say. That could be a bigger pop. Um, and I would not be mad if that's what they did. Um, 
but this could have also been the moment. And Swerve was getting kind of uh, rowdy about it. He was like, he's like, nah, like they just want to see that match because they want to not see they us with the titles. Like, like yeah. this is a new team that they want the titles on instead of us. Like, so yeah. is that him working or is that a little real there? Who knows? Uh, that's him working. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think it's. It's like. I don't think that's really him. I think that's him working. Um, which is fine. It makes a better build for the match. Got a chip on his shoulder. Um, I think this is a better build for them to lose in like a big match, but like they lost because you know one of their guys was was injured. Yes, to his own fault by a mistake that he made. But now they have the story to tell that you know without that mistake, we are the better tag team because it was a close match and he was already injured. So I can only say that this is going to be even bigger, better the next time around. Um, and I won't lie, the claim is still kind of green. They were still there were still some spots that were a little sketchy, but it might have been just the fact that they hadn't worked with each other before. So maybe that'll be cleaned up for the next match and even look even better. So this I am all for it. This was their best match, and we we've talked about it before that uh, they hadn't really had that match that stood out. Mm -hmm. Yes, all the other stuff they've done is very entertaining, but. This was finally like that signature match for them, and it showed that they can be in that position to be the tag champs and be, uh, if not the best match on the card on any night, one of the best matches. So they can carry those fucking titles. So, and the yeah. last thing I'll say, um, is that Keith Lee looked fucking great as a heel last night. Uh, oh, I just want to point that out, but yeah. I told you, if he's a heel, it'd be even better. He'd have that aura that he had beforehand. He'd be a perfect heel. But yeah, let's go ahead and move on um, to other things. The next match after this one, we get the Fatal 4-Way um, women's title match for the interim AEW women's title match. One uh, woman's title. Um, this was an okay match. Um, wasn't anything too crazy. A lot of these matches were just like, they were good. They were there. Nothing to brag about. And this was another match that wasn't anything to really brag about other than the ending and the winner. I think the winner and the outcome made this match was like, finally, yes, I'm for this. Like, that's the only part that was really happy, uh, really good. Um, Sheeta did okay in the match. She looked better than most times I've ever seen her. Um, so kudos for her being, being there in that match. Um, we did finally get that look like a final crack between um Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. Um Jamie Hader was going in for the pin against against I think against Sheeta. And uh, Britt yeah. Baker pulled the ref out of the ring and they were visibly pissed off at each other. Well, she was visibly visibly pissed off at Britt Baker. I think that's gonna be the straw that breaks the camel's back. We will see in weeks to come. Um maybe not, maybe it's just the beginning and the cracks are going to show even more and more. I can see that happening also. But the ultimate winner of this match was Tony Storm, who actually took advantage of the attack um, of um, Jamie Hayter um, being, I guess, pissed off or upset. And yeah, Tony Storm is our new interim AEW Women's title uh, holder. I had said that weird. Anyways. <laughs> um,. Again, not a match to brag about. It was an okay match. It was all right. But the ultimate 
thing about this is that Tony Storm is fine is the AEW Women's Champion, which again I'm all for. Uh, that's all. That's all I wanted. Um, how did you feel about the match, and what do you think about Tony Storm being the new champion? I I didn't care for the match. I just wanted Tony Storm, like you were saying, to be coming out of it as the champion, which we got what we wanted. So I just wanted the match to be done with. Have Storm as the champ, and let's move on. Let's start the process. Let's start building on this women's division more and more. Um, so yeah, we got what we wanted. Uh, it is important to point out that in the media scrum, uh, so she pointed out in the um, basically that she wanted to go up against uh, a couple people. Um, the first one she mentioned. Um, was Jamie Hayter saying that she's probably her toughest opponent? Opponent, which I mean, throw down. they throw they down that. They do. They throw down. They throw down every single time. I'm for that type of match, especially with the stakes being as high as they would be for a championship. So I'm down to see what that could bring. And then she's like, "I really want to get in there with Anna J. Like, who the fuck wants to get in the ring with Anna J? <laughs> Come on, Tony." But um, <laughs> later on, later on, Tony says Serena Deeb. So maybe she actually meant Serena Deeb because okay. she was like, ah, yes, that's who I was looking for. Serena Deeb. That's who I want. Oh, damn. <laughs> so not Anna Jay or like, I don't maybe, understand. I, maybe Anna Jay was a mistake. I, she didn't say that Anna Jay was the mistaken name, but like, um, I don't know. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe she didn't mean Anna Jay. Maybe she meant Serena Deeb. <laughs> It might as well be because that was embarrassing. And Tony Khan mentioned like Red Velvet, Ty Conti. Like, no, bro, we don't want to see that. She, he, he might as well have mentioned Kiara Hogan too, because oh. he was just naming shit bucket after shit bucket. And um, but yeah, I do want to see her and Jamie Hader. But it looks like Jamie Hader's gonna have some uh. Some business to to do here with Britt Baker, which I called. I said there's gonna be something in that match that's gonna set it up for going forward, and looks like uh, we are here. So yeah, just wanted to point that out. Yeah, we'll see that. That that sounds like a great match to see. Um, all right, but let's go ahead and get to the next one. Um, one that we were both looking forward to see, especially after the little promo that they did last time. Um, we got Christian Cage going against now named, you know, in quotations, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. So Jungle Boy is now the nickname for Jack Perry. So let's not get it twisted. Um, this one was, I was ready for this match. I was all for having this match. You know, Christian Cage comes out to the ring and he has a new shirt. Worked everybody. And little did we know that was going to be... Uh, foreshadowing for what was to come. So Christian goes down to the ring, only as Christian does, smug as a motherfucker. Captain Charisma all over again, man. Just fucking, just, just living it up, living up that heel life that he, that he loves to do. And then finally we get uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry coming to the ring, uh, or not coming to the ring, but coming out the entrance way. Um, his music starts to hit. And for some reason he's looking back, I guess, in the commentary team, they're saying he was looking back for Luchasaurus and walking behind him is Luchasaurus. I'm like, Oh, there, there he is. And he fucking turns jungle boy around or Jack Perry around, grabs him by the neck and choke slams him off of the ring onto the metal grates where the pyro's at jungle boy. He's laid out. He's, he's down on the ground. 
he falls off the off the grates, hits the ground. Those grates must have fucking hurt like hell, because Luchasaurus then picks up um, Jungle Boy from the ground um, over his shoulder, and you see the marks from the grates. And there's a little bit where where it broke skin, so that must not have felt pretty. Then he takes him back into uh, to the ringside, gives him a power bomb onto. I think it was a power bomb, right? Oh uh, no, um, choke slam. No, yeah, he was power bombed. He power bombs him into the ring keeper's table, and then throws him into the ring. Walks off. Uh, not walks off. I guess he stays there, but he just throws him back into the ring. Um. The referee, who was, I can't remember her name at this point, was asking him how he was doing. Like, she, he doesn't have to continue with this. Like, she can call the match. It'll be fine. And he's telling her, no, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to do this match. Let's go. Let's do this match. Um, reluctantly, she goes ahead and rings the bell as he stands up. And Christian Cage runs into him with a spear. One nasty spear. But, you know, to keep him looking strong, which is great. For this, that doesn't end, Mr. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. That spear um, is for nothing because we still he taps out. He doesn't tap out. He kicks out of that out of that spear. Christian eyes looked in amazement. He couldn't believe what was going on. So he picks up Jungle Boy for an unprettier one, two, three, end of story. And we have Christian Cage on top of the ropes. Um, actually, while he, the one thing I did notice when he was doing the um, prettier, he blew a kiss to Jungle Boy's mom, and then fucking yeah. does it. Gets onto the corner ropes, you know, raises his hand in praise, looks out to the crowd at, at all his peeps who are out there, which at this point sounds like none because the crowd was just booing the shit out of him. And then uh, Luchasaurus does the most unthinkable betrayal thing. He picks up Christian Cage on his shoulders. Just like he used to do Jungle Boy. How sad. Christian Cage comes out the winner in a short-ass match that I was very surprised with. Um, I will say this is... Mo- Ooh, never mind. Uh, second second to the, to the moment of the night, right under that one. This was not a match, not really wrestling, but it was a fucking... It was something to keep this going, and I honestly was was all for it. It was crazy. It was surprising. I never, I didn't see this coming. Um, ten out of ten would watch again. What did you think about this? Uh, I was surprised that they did it this way, um, but it's it wasn't bad. They'll have another match maybe at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, man. I mean, Christian got. Some heat here. Um, I do like that Jungle Boy has a real name now, so that's good. That's another step towards, you know, being that star they want him to be. But um, he's still got a lot to go, mm-hmm. and this match was very short, but it did what it had to do, and that's just continue to build um, heat for Christian and. Now we finally know where Luchasaurus truly uh, lies on what side of the fence. So um, I like that he's back as being a heel, and hopefully they start doing more of the stuff they were doing uh, when he first um, joined Christian. So yeah, man, not not the worst thing on the show, that's for sure. You're right. And so the next thing we got going, we still have three more matches to go. So, you know, buckle up. 
Um, the next match after that, short little, short little love tap, uh, was Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho. Um, we got the match. We've been, eh, we've not been dying to see, but we got the match that people have been talking about. They want to see this match. People want to see this match. I'm not saying everybody, but people want to see this match. And so we got Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. Um, back and forth match. Not too bad. Everyone gets their finisher on each other. Um, Everyone shares something, and what actually does it to win the match? Um, they run into the referee, who is Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey Edwards, I think is her name. She was the same referee from the other match. Um, they run into her. She's all scared, going into the ropes, and then Chris Jericho lays a low blow in on Daniel uh, Brian Danielson, and then. He hits him with the Judas effect and down one, two, three. There you go. He's the winner. Chris Jericho is now the best pro wrestler in the world. What did you think about this match? Um, it was honestly a solid match, but um, I just didn't agree that Jericho went over. But it's uh, apparently attached to the Daniel Garcia stuff they've been doing, which I I've liked. But this um. This is just weird, honestly, but hey, Brian Danielson wrestling for 20 minutes is a lot better than some of the other shit I saw on this show. But with this match being done, there's actually a story now that they can move forward with, so it works out in the end. Um, definitely not the last time we're going to see Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho, so we'll have to see where this goes. Even after the match, I'm not sure if right after or a little after... Um, Daniel Garcia was watching the match. Chris Jericho confronted him, letting him know what was going on. Um, like, like see him betray him. He's now beaten uh, his hero. And Daniel Garcia was just trying to explain, you know, I, I knew that you could beat him, but I, I, like I said before, you don't have to cheat to beat him. Kind of weird. I don't know how I'm liking the story so far with that portion of it. But we'll have to see where that leads to. But now um, Chris Jericho has let... Daniel Garcia, no. He's he's fallen a little out of favor with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And that his match against Wheeler Yuta for the pure the Ring of Honor Pure uh, Championship, uh, he's not going to be backed up by Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society. And um, Daniel Garcia is all upset. He's like, I need you there to, to back me up. Again, some more weird stuff from the storyline. Uh, it's gotten a little weird now because um, now it's making Daniel Garcia seem like a little whiny bitch um, even more and more now with this extra stuff. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, but it's the beginning of a story. That's what it is. All right, man. On to the next one. Uh, we got House <laughs> of Black versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro. Um, This is an okay match. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it no more. It wasn't anything, man. It, I didn't really care for it. It sucks because, honestly, House of Black has been having some great matches um, on the past pay-per-views when they're together. Um, I think they were the better match, um, which was the <laughs> was the shitty pay-per-view. Double or nothing, I think they probably had the better match of the night. Um, but this one was okay. Um, Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro ended up winning uh, was there anything that happened at the end of this? Not really, right? They just won, and that was it. Um, shit, man. Honestly, this was already towards the end, so I was just 
not even really paying too much attention to detail in this match, but um, I don't know, man. I don't care about this House of Black shit, and I'm hoping to talk about it a little more later on, but uh, I'm hoping this is the end of that shit, because um, it's horrible. It's not completely horrible. It's just not the best thing that they could be doing with Aliester Black. And um, match that had no business being on the card. Um, and it just, and I was going to bring it up when we were talking about Jade Cargill earlier. That match shouldn't have been on the card either. Uh, because when you have so many car, so many matches on the card already, some of these other ones on the lower side, like the one we're talking about right now, they yeah. don't mean nothing at all. And yeah. it's just fucking fillers to get to the main event. So yeah, this, this could have been like a main event blow off match at, in a, on a dynamite like build to that or something because yeah it really doesn't there's a lot like you said there's a lot of matches on here that did not need to be maybe we can go through them and just say which one should have been and which one shouldn't have been because yeah there is a good amount um again 12 matches or what was it eight matches you know if this was an eight match card it would have been fine but the fact that you have like other four other matches on the pre the pre-show um but then still like there's a couple matches you can do without um but yeah, this match was what it was, and it was a filler match basically to the main event. And that is the next match that we have. We have John Moxley versus CM Punk, and this was the match that everyone was was calling out for. Man, CM Punk comes down to the ring, first one out. Everyone's excited to see to see him, and then uh, of course because we're in Chicago, like why wouldn't they want to see a homegrown? Um, wrestler then we have john moxley make his way to the ring which is greeted by half booze and half cheers we people are for moxley and people are against them um which is fine uh that is probably the best for him uh he gets down to the ring they're going they're staring off at each other uh ring the bell motherfucker and let's get this going and the beginning of the match practically plays out similar to the match that they already had, you know, back and forth between the two. Punk comes in with a roundhouse kick, and instead of falling to the ground, he is still standing. And then he runs, does a couple of those vintage uh, CM Punk knees to the face in the in the corner, um, followed by a bulldog, I think. I don't know. I don't even know if he did the bulldog. Uh, either way, match continues. Um, Moxley gets the upper hand for a good portion of the match, even gets um, CM Punk cut. Moxley doing what he always does, which even to me is really cringy, only because it's really gross when he starts licking the other person's blood and stuff. I'm like, ah, stop doing that, dude. Um, but the match continues, and it's a heavy-hitting match. Moxley's on top for the most majority of it. CM Punk looking like he's going to lose. Honestly, there's a lot of the couple portions of the match where I'm like, damn, this guy might actually lose again. Um, but he comes out, digs deep, does, finally gets the hit, his um, go to sleep because they were Moxley kept reversing um, every go to sleep that he was trying to do to him prior to this. Hits him with a go to sleep, says that's not enough, picks Moxley up again. Hits him with a second go to sleep. And at that point, you know it's done. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. And CM Punk is the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So he is um, in the same conversation as Moxley as being the only 
two-time AEW world champion that they have. So they have Moxley as a two-time world champion and CM Punk as a two-time world champion. Um, great match. Uh, definitely second best in, of the night, only because the claimed uh, tag team match was just better because of more feeling in it. I don't know why. It was better. But anyways, um, the CM Punk match, definitely the best match of the night. We'll talk about this first before we get into the very end of the, the whole thing. But how did you like the match, and how hard did you pop? I thought the match was great. Um, thought they told a story there. And at the end, I did like um, when Moxley basically just kind of collapsed on Punk uh, after the GTS, and then he hit another one on Moxley. So to finally seal the deal, bring the title home, um, where it belongs. And yeah, man, I thought it was a great main event. It sucks that we had to go through some unbearable matches at times uh, yeah. to get to this match, um, which I can assure you would have been a lot better if it was a seven match card or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, great shit. I'm glad Punk has the title again. And this was probably one of the better Moxley matches I've seen in AEW. And that's not a coincidence that CM Punk is in this match, folks. So, not a coincidence that it was a great match either with Moxley in it, too. Just saying. I Anyways. What, man? You shit <laughs> on Moxley too much, but yet you want to say Eddie Kingston's better. But okay, we'll talk about that later. Um. Anyways, at the end of the match, CM Punk's there, all bloodied up, and he's holding his title. Then it goes dark. Then we hear a voice, which we later find out. But as we're listening to it, we realize that it's Tony Khan. And it seems like a voicemail saying that we need you back. I know you don't care about the fans, but we need you for this event. You can be in the ladder match, and we'll pay you. It blanks out the amount of money that they say. Just be there at in Chicago for All Out. Hang and then it hangs up. Then we get a little video package of CM Punk talking about snakes and devils, the same shit that they had shown before. And then they show the back of the Joker's head. And he's slow, or they show the front of the Joker. I'm sorry. The Joker from earlier in the night, they show his face again, his masked up face. He turns around, removes the mask, and says that I am the devil. Some shit like that. Turns around, it's MGF. Goes dark again. Lights back up with MJF's music, and the crowd fucking goes crazy. And there are just nothing but MJF pops. He doesn't say anything while he's at top on top of the entranceway. All he does is let Punk know that he's coming for that title. He just signals on his waist where the title will go. And we have MJF. He was the Joker. You could obviously see that he was a Joker when he came out as a Joker. Um, but there we go. We end the night with MJF returning. And everyone just blew up the fucking arena. Um, so what, do you, what did you think about that ending? And how much do you feel like that saved the show? In, in, whole, in a whole. <laughs> as a whole. I don't know what I would have felt about the show if it hadn't ended like this, because this was fucking crazy. Um, I thought it was well done. 
I love the effect that the the call of Tony Khan gave to um the whole thing. I thought that was great. Loved it. Uh, the crowd was fucking chanting more of MJF and like over CM Punk. You know what I mean? So that was fucking crazy. He tried to flick off the fans to get some heat. Um, but to no avail. I mean, the the crowd was just loving this, loving him, especially after that pipe bomb he fucking did a month ago. Um, and it was just great to see him again, man. And he when he took that mask off, you saw the back of his head, you could see the hair. He said, "I am the devil himself." And then when he put the scarf on, I was like, "Let's go!" Like just a great moment, man. And like you said. It honestly saved the show, uh, for the most part, um, yeah. to end it off like that. So I'm, I'm in. That that ending would have been the price of admission if we had paid for admission. Yeah. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know it was gonna go down like this. I thought there was a chance that we might see MJF, but I thought when the lights went out, I thought it was Bray Wyatt. Oh, this is Bray Wyatt. It's gotta be like lights just went off. Right now they're gonna come on. CM Punk's gonna be staring into Bray Wyatt's eyes, or some kind of uh, version of the Fiend, or something. I don't know, right? But I hope I hope Bray Wyatt doesn't go to AEW. I hope he doesn't. WWE is definitely where they would maximize his potential with Triple H. At this yeah. point, at this point, yes. Even before though, I wouldn't have wanted him to go to AEW because it's not like. When before Vince McMahon just recently was let go, um, AEW was doing anything great with any of their fucking WWE guys. Like, I don't think they would have utilized him well enough, especially because there's, there's too many people there that are on the top. Like, he couldn't be put in a spot that he should be in. You know what I mean? Yeah, you would just trust Triple H more with the booking for Bray Wyatt. So, uh, such a complex uh, character. But as far as coming back to what happened here. Great stuff. Uh, Punk and MJF was the best shit we've seen AEW do ever. So please expect this to be just as great. I'm guessing that this is the match that's going to sell out Arthur Ashe Stadium um, in two weeks or whatever. So this is, uh, or do you think they milk it longer? I don't know, man. They They need to start doing more pay-per-views, I feel. I feel like this whole like pay-per-view every other every 3 4 months is just not good enough for the storytelling because then they do like those quake at the lakes and all this other shit that they just make a pay-per-view, bro. Like obviously people are buying pay-per-views. They're going to buy these events too. And then you have your big your big four or whatever or even the pay-per-view every 2 months or something. But I feel like the pay-per-view like the amount of pay-per-views they do um don't give that same feeling because i don't know when it's on live tv i just don't feel like it it feels the same as like them winning it at a pay-per-view you know what i mean yeah that's a whole other topic that um yeah i could dive into because yeah man they they could do more but then there's another there's some other reasons why they probably shouldn't just because all four of the pay-per-views they normally do, they make it it makes it more special when they do come around. Uh but not no- to the point where you need to stack two cards in one night kind of shit. Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like if they're gonna be stacking cards like this, like 
just because this is their only pay-per-view and you want to put everyone on the fucking pay-per-view, then make more pay-per-views so that more people can get more chances instead of sticking everyone in one fucking pay-per-view and it stops being special. Like, because All Out, honestly, didn't even feel special. I almost didn't want to watch it. I almost didn't watch it. But, like, it just didn't feel special. The only thing that you really wanted to see, honestly, was probably the Punk match. Me, personally, I wanted to see the Acclaimed and, and Jungle Boy because those are the only stories that really, really did anything for me. But also the main event. Like, I wanted to see the main event. So, and we saw what happened with the Jungle Boy Christian match. It was not I, the length that we were expecting. No, so. but it wasn't It wasn't horrible, though. I honestly feel like that was really no. good, what they did. I, I enjoyed that a lot because it's just going to continue the story. And continue with jungle but the only problem is now there's not another pay-per-view coming up they have full gear but i don't remember when that is they they announced it um but i forgot what when when they said that was gonna be early november early november yeah, but i but i doubt that they're gonna drag the jungle boy stuff all the way to full gear now if they do and they keep it interesting i'll be surprised but we've got to see what's going on and you know what honestly they might actually be able to do that because now that luchasaurus has turned on Jungle Boy also, they can possibly spend half the time building between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and then the other half of him trying to get Christian. So we'll see. But they, they, don't, they don't build because, remember last year, the first time we saw Brian Danielson was all out. Two weeks later, he's wrestling in Arthur Ashe Stadium with fucking Kenny Omega. They didn't even milk it. Like, they just, boom, here we go. Like I, I know, but this is a different story that they actually have been building. It's not like they haven't built this one already, you know? So that's why true. I can I can say that I can hope and say, you know, that this is what they could be trying to do. I don't know if they're going to do that, but they've already built this one since a little before the la um the last pay per view. Maybe the previous one before that one. No, the last pay per view, Forbidden Door. Since a little bit before that, yeah, so we'll, we'll see where I mean, this goes. I mean, you're right about the the show didn't feel special, and um, I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna have to get through this show." That's how I was feeling, and I don't want to feel like that. But, um, yeah, man, it is what it is. There was some high points, and there was some lows, but that's to be expected with this company at this point, man. Yeah. So yeah, and that's everything. That's actually all wrestling, really. They're not always going to be perfect. They're but, just um, surprises. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the surprises are the, are the best part of wrestling. But um, yeah, that was that was the two, the, the weekend that we had. There was also an NXT 2.0 uh, pay-per-view that I did not watch. I know you did watch. And I know you said there was some good shit on there too. So, you know, wrestling is on the up for as much as I know. As far as I know. But uh, let's go ahead and get into some other other deals dealing with AEW. Um, we don't have a segment this week, but we just have more um, stuff coming out of AEW um, after the pay-per-view. Of course, they do their media scrum. And uh, there's some clips that we want to go ahead and listen to um, and then give our take on uh, what this is going to lead to. Um, a lot of shit's coming out. A lot of people still talking about AEW. Um, all right, go ahead, Dan. Uh, kind of kick this off. Yeah, so this um this uh show was what it was. We talked about the show, but let's you know go behind the curtain some more and uh, see some of that aftermath um of 
what we basically saw it all out and some other stuff that's been behind the scenes as well beforehand leading up to this event. Alrighty, so the first video we have here, or the first audio clip we have here, uh, is Punk commenting on the drama with the EVPs, Hangman Page, and Scott Coden, a.k.a. Coke Cabana. So that's basically who he's talking about when you hear Scott Coton, if you didn't know his real name there. Uh, but of course, it's been documented that Punk has some uh, history with Coke Cabana. They used to be friends, from what I understand. And then uh, he sued Punk for, was it because of the podcast thing? Or no, Punk- um, they both got sued. And then what happened was that he was suing Punk because he was stating... I guess alleging that Punk promised that he would pay Colt Cabana's legal fees and he wasn't doing that. Oh, I see. Yeah. All right. So there was that whole deal. So um, it just kind of came up. Punk, obviously, here you can tell he wanted to get some shit off his chest. And this is after a brutal match and a crazy ending to All Out. So, um, yeah, here's Punk commenting on that. Now, it's 2022. I haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs and couldn't fucking manage a target, and they spread lies and bullshit and, and put into a media that I got somebody fired when I have fuck all to do with him want nothing to do with him do not care where he works where he doesn't work where he eats where he sleeps and the fact that i have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing and if y'all are at fault fuck you if you're not i apologize but what did i ever do in this world to go to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like hangman adam page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself for what what did i do dave what did i ever do didn't do a goddamn thing that's the the first part uh of those comments so punk man um pretty aggressive here like i said earlier sounded like he wanted to get something off his chest uh what did you think of punk like just creating this buzz or just you know his comments after the match uh i don't see where this is gonna i don't know it's weird it's really weird uh i just don't know where this is gonna do like what is this trying to lead to i feel like it's a work halfway work and halfway shoot but more of a work if anything um i don't know the only I just don't know where this is really going to lead. And I only say, like, a work because even... I don't know if you have the clip, but he talks shit about having to face uh, MJF, too. Um, so we'll get to that. But right here, he's talking about um, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, right? Yeah. About the EVPs yeah, he's, and he's then talking, about Paige. Yeah, he's talking about them, Paige, and, of course, Colt Cabana. Um, I guess because there are some reports about Cabana uh, or like CM Punk trying to get Cabana fired and they had to like stand up for Cabana or stand up to uh, Tony Khan to keep Cabana in the company because uh, they're all friends and uh, yeah so those are those reports and I don't know because 
at the same time, it's just who do, who do you actually who can you actually believe? Like, can you believe CM Punk? Can you believe Kenny Omega and the the Young Bucks? Um, even people are stating that something that Kevin Owens tweeted was in some way, shape, or form having to do with what CM Punk has just recently said, um, which is kind of a stretch, honestly. <laughs> but it is a random tweet to make. And all he did was just tweet out the picture of him and Stone Cold Steve Austin um, when they main evented night one of uh, WrestleMania this past year. And then it was liked by Colt Cabana. So I guess that's where they pull it from, but I don't know. Um, yeah, that that was what it was. Um, we actually have a part two of this, so we'll hear that. Uh, he just kept going on about it. I made it really clear in Forbes, and I just want to make it clear again. Nick, It's when- not his position to make it very fucking clear. There's people who call themselves EVPs that should have fucking known better. This shit was none of their business. I understand sticking up for your fucking friends. I fucking get it. I stuck up for that guy more than anybody. Okay? I paid his bills until I didn't, and it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault. And I if I hadn't, it's my that. fault. It's my fault. I appreciate fault. that. I should have just I'm, taken a head on because you never but said But I'm trying anything. to run a fucking business. And when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million-dollar house that this company has ever drawn, off of my back and goes on national television and does that. It's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now we're far beyond apologies, right? I gave him a fucking chance. It did not get handled. And you saw what I had to do, which was very regrettable, lowering myself to his fucking level. But that's where we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go. Um, obviously right here, like he's taking some shots at the locker room, uh, whoever wants to talk shit and he's talking about page mainly here, right? Yeah. I mean, he's like, this one's all about page for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Again, it's just so hard to like, where is this leading to these media scrums are stupid. I think, um, I don't know what he's trying to do with the with this. He's trying to clear his name, but like he says in the video, I think uh, later on, I don't know if you have this clip either, but it just kind of seems goes with everything here. Is that when he tries to defend himself, it makes it look like he's being defensive, and right. it's kind of kind of true. Like even with this, like he's just talking shit about them. But like, what is this? It's like the same issue that I had with him calling out Adam Page. Like, yeah, you had an issue with him backstage but you want to call him out when you know he can't come out to the ring um it's kind of similar to this um we'll talk about more reports though that happened after the fact but it's just weird it's just super weird um what's what's happening right now um and it makes me feel like it's a work because why would they even um want to put this out there or not try to shush it down a little bit more i know these are right after the event and they're live i think um but like, why? Why are we doing this? I don't feel like this does anything but make more drama um, that and make people doubt the company even more that there anything is being handled correctly. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The bad thing is that it does put them in a position where they look like they don't have shit under control. Um, I like the drama aspect out of it because. Uh, it makes things interesting and you don't know sometimes whether if 
you're being worked or not. So it, it blurs the lines. So I like that. And I feel like Tony Khan wants to make it kind of like the UFC with these like media scrums or things like that, where press conferences, where um, the lines are being blurred. Um, wrestlers are talking more personal shit to each other, things like that. And I'm for it. But yes, uh, I don't like that. It puts them in that light, like where they don't know what they're doing. Cause it seems like they don't have shit under control. Yeah. So, right, right now though, like it would make more sense. Like I get what you're saying by the drama about blurring the lines and all that stuff, but they're not in a program together right now. And it doesn't look like they're going to be in any type of program together right now. So it makes it seem even right. It doesn't make sense at all at this point. If he was talking this shit about MJF, which he does in a little bit, that makes more sense than him talking shit about Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks. It it's just weird. Right. Well, we'll we'll get to some more of that here in just a little bit. Uh, the next part is the same thing, but this is more specific to um, the Bucks. Uh, so here we go. I'll tell you why I'm upset about it is because. If you're an EVP, you don't try to middle your top baby face. Try to get your niche audience that's on the internet to hate him for some made-up bullshit rumor. Really pisses me off. Stepping on your own dick, trying to fucking, you know, make money, sell tickets, fill arenas. And these stupid guys think they're in a Reseda. So, some more comments there. Uh, I felt like it was towards the Bucks, but probably Kenny as well. Uh, Any quick thoughts on that? Because we have, like, one more part about Paige coming up here. Um, it's the same of the, the most of the same things. Just yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get what why this is even being brought up. They, I mean, look at him up there. He's fucking eating a cupcake or something. I'm not sure what that is. A piece of bread. Um, and he's over here talking shit. Uh, like I said earlier, it just seemed like something that he needed to get off his chest and. He took every chance at it, so we'll we'll listen to one more here uh, from this kind of subject, but uh, some more CM Punk coming up. Right here, he's uh, being asked coming up that uh, about younger wrestlers taking advice from legends um, and things like that. So I kind of want to see uh, what you feel about how a lot of the modern talent today can kind of utilize some of the advice and take advice from like guys like William Regal and uh, even like Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone. Um, I know I'm missing Jake Roberts, plenty I'm missing, I'm sure. But I just kind of want to get both your perspectives on that and how that can kind of go a little bit more to, to help you guys out grow as a company. We have a, uh, a locker room full of pretty brilliant minds, you know, Jerry Lynn, Dean Malenko, Mark Henry. You know, I, when I came back and I cut my promo my second week here, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty decent, you know what I mean? kind of blur the lines a little bit what's he doing how crazy phil he's going into business for himself and really i was just defending myself but you know you you, you mix that in with attacking moxley and mention um you know kingston being the second best kingston which is a pretty great line um you know uh but our locker room for all the wisdom and brilliance it has isn't worth shit when you have an empty-headed idiot who's never done anything in the business do public interviews and say, nah, I don't really take advice. Who the fuck do you think you are? You know, that's stupid. I'm on a team with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, 
and I, I don't need I don't need to work on my swing. You don't. I'm not going to listen to these guys. They're going to tell me how to swing a baseball. Fucking go fuck yourself. That's how I feel about it. I, I, I dare you to fucking say that this Terry Funk's face. I don't need to listen to you, Mister Funk. I know what I'm doing. Fucking grow up. Some pretty strong comments from Punk. Um, mostly about Paige here because he, you know, like I said, like he was saying he did that interview where he felt like he didn't have to take any advice from legends or whatever um, that CM Punk obviously took offense to. But just fuck, man, telling him, like, you know, grow the fuck up, like, you know. So any thoughts on these comments uh, specifically? Well, the only difference, I feel like CM Punk is now dealing with... Some live people or somebody who was exactly how he was when he was coming up in WWE. And he kind of alludes to that in a sense, but just kind of like the only difference is, is that the person that he's talking about is in a higher position than he was when he was going through WWE. So, I mean, it's going to happen with the young, with these young people. It just sucks that it's out in the open. Um, man, I don't know. Um, what he says is true though. Um, you know, if you have someone like, like William Regal, Jr., um, Jake the Snake Roberts, CM Punk, John Moxley, you know these older older guys who've gone through stuff, who've done the stuff, who've been there and done that. You know, you should listen. And I understand what what um, Hangman was kind of saying also in the interview that he does listen. He just it's hard he's hard headed and doesn't take advice too well. And he learns by falling, which I understand why he admitted that, but it's something that he didn't need to say. So Right. Fault on all sides too, because also Punk still should not be laying it out the way he did. But it's it I think it's fault on all sides. And then also a little bit of karma on Punk's end. Because it's the same shit that he did to other people going up in the business and now it's you know it's coming back to haunt him in a sense yeah man um interesting comments pretty strong comments by cm punk um next clip here that we have is cm punk commenting on mjf and his return there's actually two parts to this so we'll listen to both of them and then we'll talk about it uh so here is cm punk on mjf question is actually directed towards punk uh, we saw, you know, you got your huge win tonight. Congratulations. And then also MJF returned. What is the message that you're trying to direct towards MJF this time around? Because you did have a feud with him a couple months ago. I mean, do I have to? I, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. I'm tired of wrestling these pricks. I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Um, you know, but um, I'm not. I'm not the boss. I, uh, he won the number one contendership, and uh, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Um, I, I think Max is uh, a, a supremely talented individual, um, but this goes for him and anybody else in the locker room that doesn't want to be here. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it, and Max likes to, uh, you know, shit where he eats instead of watering the grass, so... You know, we'll have to 
We'll have to see how that goes. Thanks. And here's on the reaction he got uh, in Chicago. You saw the reaction MJF got when he came back out at the end of the night. Do you have any worries that um, you know, he was cheered in Chicago while CM Punk, hometown guys, and do you have any worries about um, MJF kind of, he got pure booze before. He was a, one of the last pure heels left in wrestling that didn't try to get cheered. And now he's sort of set up as this anti-authority figure. Do you, do you worry about what that means for the psychology going forward, especially if he's going to take on Punk? I think the fans want to see great wrestling matches. MJF's the top wrestler. CM Punk's the world champion, the top wrestler in the world. And I think having the top contenders, whoever came out of this match tonight, MJF sets up as a great challenger. And now CM Punk uh, is the world champion. MJF being back. A lot of fans were excited to see it, but anytime somebody makes a comeback in the world of wrestling, generally you get a really big reaction. Am I worried about it? No, not really. Like we have one of the most charismatic, popular professional wrestlers in the world right here. And frankly, the fans can react however they want. That's what's great about AEW and pro wrestling. We're not trying to tell people what to think. This is a really compelling story. People were emotionally moved. People are calling that a great ending. And I'm really glad people liked it. But the fact is it was a great match and it was a great ending. And now we'll see what happens on Wednesday. All right. So, uh, Punk, like I said, he commented on MJF there, and then Tony Khan talking about like the reaction that he got in Chicago, um, which I can agree with the stuff he was saying there. You know, it is big when somebody does come back, um, but I just feel like MJF is just gonna get more of a pop now as a babyface. But he's so good that he could get some of that heat back. Uh, so I don't know which direction they're going to take it as far as that goes going forward. But what did you think of, because Punk also made some comments again about like, I'm tired of working with these fucking kids. So yeah. What did you think of this? First of all, that reporter, whoever the hell was asking that question to Tony Khan is fucking stupid. Cause he's talking about like psychology and all this other shit. It's like, they're not going to answer those fucking questions. It's a dumb question to ask. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Tony Khan was saying was right. You know, it doesn't matter. And I, MJF is going to be a heel. He's coming back as a heel. He's not going to be a babyface. It's just, there's just not, he's not going to do that. Um, so if they cheer him, they cheer him, but he's not going to give a shit. And he's going to, he's going to gain that, that heat back some, one way or another. And, um, CM Punk's comments, it's just, it's more of the same thing, man. It's just like, why? <laughs> Why even? Why even have CM Punk in there? <laughs> if it, if he just, it just sounds like, I don't know. It just makes the reports that are coming out seem more true than anything. Um, although he did say that you know MJF not wanting to see, like he's kind of upset that there's rumors going out there, but he's more upset about the rumors that are out there about him. Yet he's practically confirming a rumor that MJF wanted to leave. For WWE, because like it doesn't they they're not always greener pastures, you know the they're greener where you water them. He's talking about MJF wanting to leave to WWE, so right now it does seem a lot greener <laughs> at this point on the uh, side. So that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting comments. Uh, I'm very excited about this uh, rivalry being renewed and the promos and the words that will be said in the weeks to come. Yes. Uh, so that should be good. Now, we have a couple more, like two more punk things here. Uh, this is punk commenting on Adam Cole. But I would like to think, and again, in five years, 
you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see the impact of it. Um, there's a chance I'm wrong. You know, we got an uphill battle in a, in a, in a lot of respects. Um, there's just so much drama and turmoil going on, but I, you know, I, I like to believe in the place I work. Um, we do have a very, very strong roster. And like I said, we have, we have a lot of brilliant minds backstage. So if, uh, if, if young talent's willing to actually listen and, and receive uh, advice and information, I honestly think sky's the limit. You know, there's always going to be people who think they should be the top guy, want to be pushed, you know? Um, and I get that. I mean, that was, that was me from like 2008 to, you know, 2010 or whatever. And, you know, I, 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 I always wanted more. Um, but, I, I thought I acted like a top guy, you know, like if I missed a flight, I rented a car and made the town. I didn't just go, oh, I missed the flight. I guess I'm not going to be a TV. Um, I think Adam Cole is, is, is fantastic. I'm, 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 I'm more worried about his health now than worry about if, if his impact on wrestling is going to be, you know, bigger than Scott Hall's or something like that. Like I, I just want the kid to be healthy because he's a, he's a, he's a sweetheart, you know? Um, I know Eric Bischoff is really mad that I said that, so I stand by it. All righty. So um, Eric Bischoff name dropped there, but um, he brought up a couple things, you know, that as he was going up in the business, uh, he was, you know, the similar way, but he felt like he acted like a top guy. Another shot at, you know, Paige. Um, yep. But yeah, some more interesting comments about, you know, that whole situation. Um, let's just listen to the next clip since it's very similar, and then I'll get your thoughts on on both of these here. Uh, but this is Punk commenting again on Cabana. And the reason I've never defended myself is because when you do, it just sounds like you're being defensive. But I've eaten shit on this subject for a very, very long time. Um, and I am I'm very sad today that I had to get up here and 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 say his name. He doesn't fucking deserve it. Uh, and talk about it, but facts are facts, you know. Name two people that have made the most money off the name CM Punk. I don't think you're there yet. The first one's Vince McMahon. The second one's Scott Colton. I hope you all have a good night. Please be more responsible with the news you get from certain people, and uh, just remember we're human beings. Thank you. So there's uh, Punk commenting on that situation again. Uh, any other thoughts on what he said here in the last two clips? Um, the thing about the 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 one about the Adam Cole thing, uh, the reason why he name dropped Eric Bischoff was what the actual person asked him in the question uh, because they had asked him about comments that he had made when they had um, debuted because him, uh, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole all kind of debuted around the same time, and he had uh, he had said that it was similar to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash coming from WWE to WCW, like their impact going to AW was the same as their impact, and that's why Eric Bischoff got like super pissed off about that because he doesn't believe that, and I am in the same boat as Eric Bischoff. I don't believe that either, because um, the impact was automatic practically with WCW this impact is not really been I mean Adam Cole look where he's at now Brian and Danielson could be, be better. Doing, Brian Danielson could be doing so much better than where he's at right now too 
Um, but he's doing what he wants, so that's a good thing. And CM Punk is probably the only one that actually is somewhere where he where he needs to be. So it's just weird. Um, I think it's halfway. Him and that one kind of seemed like he was, even though he said he like backed up what he said, to me it, it more sounds like he's kind of eating his own words. Even Even himself at that point said, you know, I could be wrong. So... I think he's trying to stand by what he said, but at the same time also admitting like, yeah, I was probably wrong on that one. Like he, I was probably talking out of my ass when I said that. And uh, the second portion of it, you know, him talking about Cocabana, um, it's like, yeah, dude, if you don't want to talk about it, then don't talk about it. Like people can ask the question, but you don't have to really answer it. So I don't really think that he needed to defend himself. And it's not like, we've ever heard Colt Cabana ever say anything, you know, it's always everyone else kind of talking about it. It's just rumors too. So maybe Colt Cabana is the one giving out the rumors. Maybe it's Kenny Omega in the Bucks, but we've not heard anything said directly from Colt Cabana. And Punk's basically confirming all, all those rumors, like you said, because that's yeah. basically what it was. So, yeah, man, and I think Punk just wanted to let it all out there and then just maybe never bring it up again or not yeah, talk but, about it in this way again. But what does that do? <laughs> How does that help anything? I don't know, and I think Punk just is... He's the type of guy where he just wants to say what's on his mind and he doesn't give a fuck what you think as long as people know the truth, but... I guess, I don't know, I'm trying to look at it in his eyes, which I could never, but I'm just saying, um, that's what it feels like. Now, we will revisit one more punk clip eventually, but this next clip was interesting. Um, I didn't even I didn't even know about this, I don't know if you saw it online, but apparently the House of Black did some kind of curtain call. Uh, so this is basically Tony getting a question about that. Um, this wasn't really seen to the fans on TV, but in the arena, uh, we saw after the six-man tag between the House of Black and uh, Darby Sting and Miro, we saw at the top of the stage the House of Black uh, hug, and then um, we saw Malachi kind of take a bit of a bow and blow a kiss to the fans. Um, is there anything we should all know about what's going on there, or... Um, was there any symbolism that that had anything to do with? No, I'm not sure. I can't comment on that though. But uh, that that was uh, for the live fans, and it definitely got some people talking. So it is a thing that happened. But no, we can't comment on that. Thanks, buddy. So Tony Khan not really able to give a straight answer, anyways. But I just I just it was important to point out that that happened. Uh, did you hear about this? Or I, I guess I might have skipped that part because. Um... Was this before he actually sat, before Chris Jericho sat down? This is after Jericho left. Oh, okay. I didn't get that far. Yeah. I got to Jericho being there. I kind of stopped watching when Jericho got there. Um, I didn't I didn't hear about that, but damn, dude. Does, does that mean we're, he's going to go back to WWE? I mean, I'm down. <laughs> he, he could have something good in WWE. Or even if they bring him back just for NXT. I don't care where they bring him back. But I feel like WWE can do him right. I don't I don't know what this is. I I read up on it though that before the pay-per-view that um basically he had asked for his release but they 
it was reported they denied it and that he was under contract for like five years. I'm like, damn, that seems like a a long investment. Um, and we've seen how he's been used. Hasn't been the best. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, that was interesting to point out. Uh, and we'll see what happens. That might have been the last we've seen of the House of Black as a unit like that. So, Yeah, well... Good for if it is true. I think the only one who's gonna benefit because I don't think they're gonna do, and you know what? Not even that much. Okay, not even benefit like all that much. I feel like they're still not gonna be any higher than where they're at. But I don't think it'll benefit Buddy Murphy. But I feel like Brody King can possibly do some some things, and we'll see where it goes. But if this was the last time we see Alistair Black in AEW. I hope we Thanks, see for thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Uh, thanks for giving it a, a go. And um, you know, I mean, it it's not like it's his fault, uh, dude. Most of his ideas is him, and it's so ridiculous sometimes. Like, I mean, he wasn't put. I'm sure that he didn't like fully want to make a trios, but that was probably the only thing he was able to do because he couldn't be where he wanted to be. He'll go back with his wife and WWE, and that'll be it. Under Triple H and his he'll... wife, what? Who's his wife? Selena Vega. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, even better for him. I don't know. It, it, his exactly. run could have been way better. I feel like they just didn't use him well enough, though. If he, if anyone's gonna jump, the time is now because then eventually Triple H is gonna get more and more guys in there that he likes coming back and. You know, you may not feel so special in that time. I don't know. I, I would say co- go now if you can. Run away. Escape from AEW. Oh, how the tables have turned. So, um, the next clip here, we have Tony Khan commenting about, uh, they asked him about the potential WWE Super Show or some shit, like, uh, kind of like Forbidden Door, but with WWE. So, here's Tony Khan. I wanted to ask about a kind of a follow-up uh, sure, about your comments about alluding to contract tampering. You you were also asked about a potential WWE AEW Super Show, and you said not after the way they treated me. What happened when you when you say something like that? How were you treated? What what was the exchange there with WWE? I've had a number of interactions with them, and I don't know. I just I, I'm not you know I I was super. I, I've said a lot of nice stuff, and and <laughs> I don't regret saying nice stuff because I'm super honest about pro wrestling. And when I saw good stuff happening there, I'll be the first to say it. But yeah, I just am not feeling the same love. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into it, but uh, you know, uh, I just haven't felt the same uh, reciprocation that I have uh, for them. All right, so I just want to point out he needs to shut the fuck up because. He's like, I just haven't felt the same love that's been reciprocated back to them or whatever. But, dude, all you do is throw shots at them on live TV. Um, and almost, that's that's all they've done. And what, what, how many times has WWE done that? Like, they name dropped AEW one time with the Sami Zayn thing, and they weren't even like throwing a shot at them. If anything, they were basically they- name dropping them. I think the worst thing that they said, they called it a pissant company when DX were doing their uh, Hall of Fame induction speech because they were making okay. fun of Billy Gunn. But, but that's like, the Hall of Fame. Like, 
it's like still though, like he can't say that he's propped them for like the things they did good when he might have done that a couple times. But ha- like you said, how many times have they talked shit about WWE on live TV? What is the Jericho Appreciation Society, but not also just making fun of WWE? Yeah, like, man, on their flagship show, not just on a network special on a Saturday night or whatever. Like even when with Chris Jericho recently, when like he got mad that Triple H is spinning like uh, like a different narrative now uh, with them losing to AEW, you know NXT losing to AEW, he them saying like oh they beat a developmental um brand and so chris jericho gets all pissed off it's like what they weren't developmental at the time they were trying to treat it like a third brand and whatnot and then chris jericho had said something earlier about what the fuck are you doing um but yeah dude it was just it's just weird like i don't know chris jericho even said something that was stupid within like he like they never he doesn't even think about WWE anymore but he's in the jericho appreciation society which is making fun of sports entertainment which is which is just making fun of WWE, so it's just like a lot of stupid shit, honestly. Yeah, dude, like it it was stupid for him to even make a comment like that because all he's done is throw shots at them. But um, yeah, man, yeah, that was yelling. yeah, that was just Tony Khan talking about his ass. Baby bitch. All right, so this next clip, uh, Tony's talking about uh, MJF again, and then Punk basically interrupts him and starts making some more comments about Cabana. So, yet again, CM Punk. Here we go. Why now? Why why is MJF back in the fold now? How do you both feel about him being around? How do you feel about the time he spent away? All of that. Well, if I may, I am the one who asked him to come back because uh, MJF's a big star in this company, and this is one of the biggest events. A year ago, CM Punk debuted here, and I thought it was right for the fans. And like I said, for the fans, I thought the best thing that we could do as a company was bring MJF back. And he wants me to work with pricks constantly. That's that's what it is. Nevertheless, uh, two of the top wrestlers in the world, MJF and CM Punk, could be oh. a big match down the line. Sorry to keep bringing this fucking up, but go ahead, no problem. His word, and I don't know how long, so I'm a little fucking pissed off about it. When it came down that he was going to sue me, I asked to talk to him. He refused. I asked for mediation. It was denied. I offered him money. He said it was not enough. He went ahead with the lawsuit and sued. It's his fucking funeral. I don't care. He shares a bank account with his mother. It tells you all you need to know about what kind of character that is. I appreciate it, Nick. I'm sorry if I'm a little fucking snippy. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm fucking tired. And I work with fucking children. I regret not answering your question the first time you asked it. Yeah, but I should have just taken a head on like I did with Blake and Forbes recently. We're all learning here, Tony. It's okay. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So basically, Punk again chiming in about Cabana. Uh, point the important line was, "I work with a bunch of children." Um, he also pointed at Tony Khan, but no one saw that. And he also said at the end, "Like it's okay, Tony. Like we're all learning. Like even you, Tony." So, um. Any comments know, the, on this, man? The more I watch it, because I've, I've seen it already, and then I'm seeing it here again, it just sounds so condescending. Like, even, like, like I get it because it's kind of true. Like, with Tony Khan, everyone, he's working with children that have not worked in the business before. Not like this, not in this capacity. They were trying to run a wrestling company. Uh, a lot of success in the very beginning. 
they're probably thinking they're hot shit now at this point because they're of, of the success they had in the very beginning. But goddamn man, like at the same time, I can't feel. But like, um, Tony Khan is just kind of like not Tony Khan, but CM Punk is just being. Uh, a little bitch about things, dude. Like, yeah, dude, you said enough about Cobana. Shut up. He shares a bank account with his mom. I don't really know what that tells me about him. Crazy, I mean, he's, he's he's been an independent wrestler for how long? I'm sure he's not made the millions and billions of dollars that that CM Punk has made. So his his the the time frame in which he probably made the most money was the short amount of time that he was with WWE. So, I don't know. I can't say that him having a bank account with his mom tells me anything about his character. I don't know <laughs> why he would have a bank account with his mom, honestly. <laughs> he just, like, pointed that shit out. I don't know. I thought it was crazy. But, um, yeah, so more comments by Punk. Uh, you saw Tony Khan talking about MJF. Um, so, yeah, man, that was... Um, it for punk and tony khan there but um tony storm uh was asked basically about uh thunder rosa coming back eventually from the injury uh they even asked her as far as uh what she thought about the interim concept of the title um saying that it was not ideal while looking at tony at the same time um, but this is basically her commenting on Thunder Rose's injury. Uh, so let's hear this. Tony Storm, the new AEW Women's Champion. But uh, Thunder Rosa says she's injured. Okay. Um, so when she says she's not injured, she can come back and lose to me. And that'll be the end of that. I guess that's a, that's a statement. That is a statement from the champ right there. <laughs> So this one, what I thought was interesting was when she said, so Thunder Rosa says that she's injured. She's like, okay. And like, it just came off like, because there's reports saying that Thunder Rosa's not really hurt. She didn't want to put over Tony Storm or something like that. I don't know if I'm being worked. You can tell me what you think on that. But I feel like maybe this is a shoot here. And... I mean, we've heard some stuff about Thunder Rosa recently that she's too stiff in the ring, I believe. Like with, you know, what Britt Baker was talking about it, and I uh, forget who else. Um, but yeah, man, what do you think of this? Because I thought this was interesting. Um, I know the last time I was talking about it, I was uh, more on the fence of Thunder Rosa really being injured. I've heard some other reports and some other things being said also that kind of makes me sway, and that maybe she's not really injured. Maybe it's just um, a deal with Tony Khan also. I've also heard that maybe it's something um, to do with Tony Khan trying to keep her away from everybody else just to calm down the heat that she has with everybody from the reports of sandbagging and whatever the fuck or, you know, you know, being, I don't know. The match in question in which they say that uh, Donna Rosa was sandbagging someone, I mean, who she was wrestling against wasn't even that fucking good. So I don't know. I still don't know about all that shit, but I don't know. There's a lot of reports with Thunder Rosa. Um, we'll have to see what what happens, but I kind of feel like it's a bit of a shoot also. 
Yeah. Um, the the whole interim thing, though, I kind of want to comment on that too. Uh, like her saying, like it's not ideal. Isn't that kind of like everybody though in 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 sports? Also, they hate being an interim champion. They want to be a unified champion. So it kind of fits with that. Just saying. But it just it's crazy because back in the day, back in my day, um. You would lose the title, and then that was for a way, you know, the ex-champion would have a a way out. Like, you know, I never lost the belt, and also has a reason to challenge again for the title eventually, or whenever they want to do it. But I just would prefer that than the interim thing. Like, I don't know. I think they should do away with it, but that's just me. I don't really care. It doesn't really make any difference because if if we're all gonna come back and and wrestle for a title again after injury, then it doesn't really make any sense because it only really happens if the person's injured, right? So how yes. often is that really gonna happen? Well, with the style of wrestling they do, it may happen more than often. I so mean, it wasn't the wrestling that got CM Punk injured. So I mean, same thing happened with Cody. Remember that. Uh, interim, interim, and, they, and didn't yeah. they do it with Sky and and Sammy or something like that? Sky and Sammy, didn't they? Um, didn't they do like a ladder match for both titles at some point? They did, um, but I don't think they called him the interim champion. The the first, I feel like the first interim champion was fucking um, Moxley, because they really didn't say that it was an interim championship when when Sky won it. They did do it with Sammy and Cody because Cody was out. And that's because Cody was only out for like two weeks and they did it. He had gotten COVID or something like that. And they gave the title to Sammy. um, And then he beat Dustin. And then they unified the titles where Sammy would beat Cody on his way out. Um, I still don't think it's it's that big a deal because it's not really going to happen all that often. Like, yeah, okay, it happened with Sammy, it happened with Mox, and it happened with Thunder Rosa. Now, if they start making this into a storyline, like you see it every fucking week, then yeah, okay. But if it's not, if it's a legitimate injury, and the next person's an interim champion, it's not a big deal to me. I don't, I mean, I don't see it as a big deal. All three of those times have happened this year alone, and we're still in September, so... Um, the Sammy yeah. thing happened this year? Yeah, happened in January, buddy, before Cody. That was Cody's last match. Not a big deal. So what does that tell you? Well, anyways. Doesn't, doesn't tell me nothing because not a big deal. So now we have Tony um, basically getting mad. He starts getting a raging heart on because people have been doubting him about you know how he's been doing. Um, so here's Tony Khan getting very upset for some reason, taking personal. So here we go. It's probably, there's a chance it's going to be the second highest all out ever. It may not be the highest all. It might be the first time we haven't hit that high. I knew last year, the all time high would be challenging. There's a big difference between this year and last year. We were the first professional wrestling show and the only professional wrestling show on Labor Day weekend last year. And we were the third professional wrestling show of the weekend this year. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and oh, here he goes. So he's already been bragging about what he's been doing. Um, so 
Here he goes. When I talk about things I wasn't thrilled about, um, I was a little surprised we were the third professional wrestling show this weekend, and it's probably a little bit more challenging in the marketplace um, when it becomes a little more crowded. So our performance, given you know the prior years, we never had this kind of competition, and it's kind of a first for us in AEW to see this kind of crowded marketplace. I'm not sure if this is what we'll see from now on. If it is, when the fight is brought, I will continue uh, bringing fights of my own, and I have unique ways to do that a lot of money to fight with so right here he's talking about the fact that um they had clash of the castle and then they had the nxt event all before his pay-per-view uh, on labor day weekend so he's like you know taking offense the fact that wwe's basically put in counter programming his shit um so here he goes about it and uh this is not a game to me this is uh, my life, and I don't think it's a joke, uh, and I take it really seriously. And, yeah, so I am very happy with the numbers we did. Given the competition we had, I was hoping that it would be the all-time high for All Out, but it, I'm not sure it's going to quite hit that. So it's the first time in AEW pay-per-view in history did not top the number before, probably. But that being said, it's still going to be uh, – Again, the second highest number we've ever done for All Out. And this year will end up being the biggest year on pay-per-view in AEW's history by far for pay-per-view revenue. It won't even be close. So uh, even with full gear to come, I'm quite confident this will be our all-time high for pay-per-view revenue. It's pretty similar to the other pay-per-views this year. I think it'll be Forbidden Door was an unprecedented success in the biggest debut in AEW pay-per-view history. Uh, a lot of the buys were international, and the price point is obviously a little bit lower on international. I think this would be more total buys and a higher domestic percentage, so the revenue would be significantly higher than Forbidden Door. I'd expect it to be similar to Double or Nothing, um, but All Out last year was higher than Double or Nothing was last year. Double or Nothing this year was a high all-time for Double or Nothing. We Nothing, fucking get it, right, at this point. Really like, damn. It's going to be uh, in that range. So uh, very good, given the competition that we've never faced before. This is kind of an unprecedented marker, in my opinion, but... It's still the, the number is the number, and I have to face the competition out there. But when I compared myself to Jim Crockett Promotions this weekend, I think I got a taste of the same medicine Jim Crockett Promotions took. But I have a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett did. And I'm not going to get – I'm serious. I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. So some strong words from Tony Khan here. Um, what did you think of this, man? Taking it personal. Oh. I don't know, man. I don't know what he's talking about, how the whole market is, like, it's tougher now because there's three wrestling shows, but, like, two of the other wrestling shows were overseas, so is it more of an issue with overseas buys then? Does he get more overseas buys than he does get buys in the United States? That's my question from this is, like, I don't get that. Like, oh, I, I, I don't know. That, that didn't make any sense to me when I read it because I sent you that article in the morning. I didn't watch yeah. the media scrum. I had I'd read that portion of it, and I was like, "Okay, this is dumb. Like, it's so stupid." And um, like, I don't get like the only way I could see that makes sense is like, yeah, they have more buys in overseas markets than they have buys in America, because that's the only way that that was going to be affected. Because if there is a show here in America, then this also, how can I say this? This also lets you know that they're not competition. If he's going to have issues with counter programming, because if it was 
a competition and they were better, like they say they're better, then it wouldn't matter that there's counter-programming. They would still get their audience that they would get. So, yeah, this just also lets you know where they really are, that they're really not any type of competition, but just an alternative, which is fine if you if you perceive yourself as that. The problem is they perceive themselves as competition. It's just not true. So, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I think it's a lot of bullshit what he said. He's just talking out of his ass and being being a fucking idiot and just being a meme right now, honestly. Dude, there's something wrong with him. I don't know who lets him get up on stage like that and go on a rant the way he does. But, um, yeah, man. Um, true. I agree with the stuff you were saying. Um, Tony Khan, you've done some very questionable things, buddy. But... I will give him this. He does know how to make things interesting sometimes with some of the questionable comments he's made. But, um, yeah, man, that was basically it for the media scrum. Yeah. I I guess just any final thoughts on AEW uh, about anything we've discussed today, man. I mean, going I'm, forward. I'm just going to push the media scrum underneath the carpet because it's just a lot of bullshit really that came out of it. The only parts that were good from the media scrum are probably the Tony Storm part because it makes sense to a story and even the Swerve in Our Glory makes sense to the story. But the CM Punk stuff was just annoying. He's just talking shit to people he's not even in a story with right now so it just makes everything that we've been hearing sound real so kudos on them and making the rumors real. And um, Tony was, Khan's uh, an idiot. Apparently, there was a fucking altercation uh, while Swerve and Keith Lee were up there in the locker room. Apparently, the Bucks and Punk swung, swung at somebody or something like that. I was hearing, man, it's just been crazy. Like, yeah, like I said, I'm gonna push this shit underneath the rug right now because uh, it's not needed. It's just it's it's un- it's just not needed. I'm just going to watch the shows. Can't wait to see what MJF does. Yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, definitely interesting times for the good or for the bad in AEW. And that's just what uh, we've been accustomed to, uh, at least for a good part of this year. But, um, yeah. yeah, man, I think that's going to just about do it. It's been a lengthy episode, so appreciate you hearing if you still are. Um, we went over a lot. There was a lot to unpack. It was mostly AEW. Uh, take that how you want it but any final thoughts before we we wrap this up here nope. send it away nah we're good <laughs> yeah my final thoughts are ready sweeping All that right. shit under the rug can't wait to see MJF make sure to follow us on twitter at let's wrestle pod that's R-A double S-L-E uh, let's wrestle pod on twitter or you can follow the links in the description but other than that that will do it we will see you next time Peace. Peace.